This is the Randomer Nintendo Podcast, episode 8 for Sunday, 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 uh, November 13th, 2022. I am today's host, Kevin. Next to me, virtually, as always, Jason. Hello, I can't wait for the Monster Truck Rally to begin. I've never been to a Monster Truck Rally. Neither have I. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's uh, Angel, to my virtual right. Have you ever been to a Monster Truck Rally? No, but I did play this Monster Truck game a ton with my brother. It was like... Bigfoot Racing or something like that. I remember. Wait, is that the, was that the one? Is that the like, infamously terrible? No, no, that's no you're, you're thinking of Big Rigs, the one where you could go oh, and reverse right. so fast for like. Actually, your speed just increases infinitely, to my knowledge. Like, there's yeah, literally no just, limit. Just exponentially, just increase your speed. <laughs> but wait, yeah, was, the other one was the other the... one was a racing game where you play as like the monster trucks, and I remember really liking this truck called Snake Bite. That was like my favorite. Was this a console or arcade game? Because I remember there used to be the one in the this 90s on where like the arcade cabinet was like half of a hexagon and you had to hit a pedal and it was like, it was like rock and roll racing kind of, but it was like a top down and you're going around the track. And you're like mm, this definitely was a top down. This was like a mm. typical racing game perspective, but it was on PC. Was oh, it Side Truck okay. like, like, like Ford Broncos or was it uh, like Monster Trucks? Excite Truck? Yeah, just pick up it trucks. was uh, kind of like Ford Broncos. Yeah, it was That's like standard trucks. trucks that got very excite. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I uh, I used to work at the Staples Center, now known as the Crypto dot com Arena. Um, Boo and they, to they the used, name, used, not you. Yeah, and they <laughs> that name has not aged like well. Monster well, truck rallies never did. Yeah. And they did monster truck rallies at Staples. Yes, inside, which is weird because it seems like such a small footprint. It's a tiny footprint. I mean, yeah, because yeah, Angel Stadium down in Anaheim, um, which is a baseball stadium, obviously, they, they'd usually do monster truck rides there. But I don't know. Something about Staples feels smaller, like the physical space. I think it is physically smaller. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, that always seemed weird to me that they were able to fit monster trucks. A- a- obviously, no more than like two because of the footprint. But yeah, that always seems strange to me. It, it, yeah, that. That place seems really big once you, like, like, if you, as someone who worked there, it obviously got really, really familiar and really, really small. Yeah. But I can see how it could seem big to somebody who doesn't, isn't there constantly. I mean, it is a, you know, 18,000, 20,000 seat. 22,000. 22,000. Actually, excuse me, arena. If I'm not mistaken, it's 22,297 was the last number that I had to know by heart. Well, that's still lost seats regardless. So it is still big. It's just, yeah, compared to other arenas. I yeah. get what you mean, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy, it's been, uh, it's been a minute since we recorded. Yes, I was about to say that. It's it ha- it's been ni- It's nice to hear everyone's voices again. It's been so long. It's funny. I was going to say that it feels like it hasn't been that long at all. But no, it's time doesn't really... really... But time doesn't really move at a normal pace for me, so... Take my comments yeah, with a grain of salt. What's been going on with everybody? Angel just launched Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> love and Thunder. God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, love and Thunder. Yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations crazy. on the launch. Yeah, thank you. It's been awesome just seeing people's reactions. Obviously, I don't know. It's crazy being a part of that team and the fact that, you know, not only is it's not just any game, that it's like one of my favorite franchises. And it's out the door. It's crazy. It's exciting. I'm happy. And if and if I'm not mistaken, 
you had only just recently played the God of War games before you started your job at Sony Santa Monica, right? I don't know if recent is a good way of putting it, because I started working there in 2020, and I got my PS3, I want to say, if I didn't have it, pretty sure I had it right before I graduated college, which would have been 2011. And I want to say my brother, which is kind of how it all started, he gave me the God of War collection. Like, it came with God of War 1, 2, and 3, Ghost of Sparta, and Chains of Olympus. And if it wasn't for that, I I don't even know if I would have gotten those games, because they just never really caught my attention. Like, I knew they were good. I've heard good things about them. But They were out of your then wheelhouse in terms of your game interests. Yeah, I was just kind of, like, breaking out of Nintendo at that point. Not that I'm, like, completely out of Nintendo, but... I was expanding my horizons. I mean, I literally got the PlayStation because of Little Big Planet, which is arguably like one of their more Nintendo-y games, but it's also very not Nintendo-y because of, you know, the whole create whatever you want, which, you know, Nintendo eventually did with Mario Maker. But I also want to say I got into the God of War games like around 2012, 2013. And yeah, I played I played through all of them, like almost back to back, got really into them. And it was also the collection was also in 3D, which is really awesome. So, and we had a 3D TV, so we got to take advantage of that. Remember when that was a thing, 3D TVs, and every company was trying to sell you a 3D TV, and then poof, they just disappeared. Yeah, it was one awesome. Day. What a shame. But yeah, love them so much. Then before you know it, I'm part of the team that launched God of War Ragnarok. So it's freaking nuts. But yeah, so that's been me very busy and even outside of work just busy drawing busy with i don't even know remember if this came up even in the last podcast but like we're also moving to a new house not super far away just like to a a neighboring city i think we're neighboring yeah Um, it's neighboring yeah it's neighboring yeah it's like a you know just like a nicer neighborhood we're living like next to my sister so now we're you know it's it's great we're living like and a block and a half away from the oldest functioning McDonald's in the country. Or I think just anywhere, which is kind of cool. Way to dox yourself. No, I was going to say, and for all those um, dear listeners at home, third party outside perspective on the house. It's a nice house. He got a nice house. It's a cool house. It has a lodge that looks like it belongs in like Big Bear, like out in the woods in like a cabin, like a little den. That's really, it's cool. It's like kind of attached. It, it's a cool house. Yeah. And you know, and for someone that has a ton of collectibles and... The sort moving is kind of daunting, but you know, little by little, we're we're, we're getting there. It's not we still have a long way to go, but yeah, I've pretty much had zero time like for anything. I haven't even I've barely caught up with. I mean, outside of like the the show that we're gonna talk about later, like one of them is a show that I've been looking forward to since you know the last season ended, and even that one I haven't been able to keep up with outside of the episode I watched for. <laughs> the sake of discussing it here, which is, yeah, says a lot because, you know, 20 minutes. But yeah. What about you, Jason? Uh, I haven't done anything as monumental as launch the largest PlayStation 5 game to date. But uh, actually, a lot of stuff that I've done, we're probably going to talk about because it's just like consuming content. But I guess the, the kind of big thing I did a couple weeks ago is I went out to Vegas to the When We Were Young Fest. You know, the festival everyone said was Fire Festival, but actually it wasn't. It was actually extremely well organized and put on, and it was, it was really cool. Yeah, so I spent a weekend there. Um, 
besides that, it's kind of, I would say to, to sort of almost contrast you, you've been super swamped. I've just been kind of like around. Like I haven't had a whole lot going on at the moment. I'm about to go on a couple trips. Um, I mean, obviously I did Vegas and I'm going to be going to New York soon uh, for the first time since like 2015, which I'm very excited about because I, I love New York. But um, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty low key on this end. Um, what about you, Kevin? Uh, I have finally, I've, well, let's get into it. One of the reasons that we haven't been able to record is because we've been so swamped. Uh, Angel with his launch and me with uh, with my work. Um, so I've just been swamped with work these last, like, I don't know, like three weeks. Because, I mean, you, you two know why I've been swamped. Mainly has to do with uh, a team or mainly has to do with the events at the venue that I'm that I mm-hmm. work at currently. Uh but it's finally slowed down. We only have two major events next week and after that I'm like clear until mid January. Nice. So well deserved break. Finally, yeah, finally get a, a good break and best part is that I don't even have to be at the office. I can just work from home. Welcome to that luxurious life. It's so nice. I go in like once a month now but it's so nice to have the work from home just like you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really nice it's really nice and it's i feel like i'm more efficient because i'm not like constantly interrupted by people and stuff i mean i'm interrupted oh, by I, cats, I feel i feel the opposite i i have to be at the office for me to be more efficient i thought that would kind of be the case like i thought you know oh if i'm home there'll be all these distractions i'll just go on Twitter or whatever comes after Twitter because Twitter looks like it's sinking like the Titanic. But, you know, whatever, I'd go on whatever and just get distracted. But I've actually found that when I go into the office, I get significantly less done now because everyone's always just like poking their head. We're like, oh, what about this question and that question or like this random thing? And it's just like uh, this would have been a two second chat on like Google chat if I was at home. Now it's like a 10 minute conversation. And it's just, yeah, I sound extremely antisocial. I, sw- I swear I'm not, but I've just noticed surprisingly I'm actually more efficient at home. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I enjoy those conversations. I'm not saying I don't like people or anything, but um, yeah, it's just definitely faster at home. Gotcha. Yeah, well, uh, that's a that's a little catching up with us. Um, let's get on to let's get into the content that we that you guys listeners have been craving. I, I don't know if you guys have been craving it, but they've been craving. We're talk about some stuff. They've been. Cra- I'm speaking on their behalf because someone I don't remember who left us a comment during one of our we're delaying our episode things. They're craving, all right. They're craving, gotcha. Uh, I think the thing that has taken us by storm, or at least me and Angel, is Marvel Snap. Oh, yeah. Angel. Marvel Snap. That's... This thing is freakishly addictive. Sell me on it, guys. I've seen everyone talk about it. I'm on the cusp. I honestly... I don't particularly play card it, games, but... I mean, when I... I've been playing it now. Um, I just finished a game, actually. Um, I don't know. It, it oh, literally now, like right now. Yeah, it doesn't scream <laughs> that me now the game very real time. you would okay. like. I don't know. It doesn't scream Jason game to me. But then again, most card games don't. But that's just from what I know of you. And that's that's why I've been hesitant so far because I used to play the Pokemon Train card game a lot as a kid, but I haven't touched any card game like this since. So I, mean, I, would, I would definitely say it's worth a try. But basically, um, yeah, for this game, I mean, it was already on my radar. Because Ben Brode, who used to be the main game director of Hearthstone, who pretty much like was one of the reasons like I got into Hearthstone, 
not I mean I knew of him when I started playing the game turns out a lot of his like choices were what made it so addicting and fun but at the end of the day that game is it's best suited for like PC play or for like sitting down like on a big screen or something because games on average last like 11 minutes and depending on the class and the opponent and the type of deck they're running I've literally had that I mean yeah I've literally had games that lasted upwards of 30 minutes and I mainly I would say like 90% of my Hearthstone play is on a phone so you can imagine like first like how much battery that drains but also just kind of how annoying it is to have one game go on for that long and while it is fun and I did enjoy it for many many years after reaching after reaching legend rank I believe it was last year or maybe it was earlier this year but basically, that's like the highest rank you could possibly reach. Um, outside of being number one in the world. But yeah, I don't mind. Screw that. Um, yeah, I felt like <laughs> I rolled the like I rolled the credits on it. Like I'm, I was happy with it. Like I still play it from time to time, but it's not like, a, oh, got to do my weeklies or whatever. So I was kind of looking for something else to fill the void. And I do have Brawl Stars. Brawl Stars continues to be incredibly fun and addicting. I love that the games last no more than two minutes. But yeah, and then, you know, Marvel Snap came along, and there were, and with that director guy behind it, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, besides just like you know, I recognize a few people. We all know who Spider Man is, but then at that point, it's no different than when I started playing Hearthstone. I didn't know who ninety percent of those people were, and even the ones I did know, I didn't even know who their names were. So now I still have like that reverse nostalgia when I see a World of Warcraft trailer, and it's like, oh, it's that one card from Hearthstone, but. Yeah. But anyway, Marvel Snap. Um, already right off the bat, I love the fact that even though it's a trading card game, it the deck limit is only 12 cards, and you can only use one of each card. Building decks it always takes a while. Some people really love it. I am... It, it depends on the kind of deck, but for the most part, I just want to get into the game. It's like figuring... like I, I will stress over like, oh, am I going to run two of this card, one of this card? Should I run this package together blah 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 so this already kind of simplifies it a lot like simplification it really is just like the name of the game and games are only six turns long at most a game i run for like two minutes maybe even that like sometimes it'll be like way way shorter but there are six turns every turn you get i guess one plus energy so you start with one energy then on turn two you have two energy Turn three, you have three, four, so on until you have six. And that is essentially your currency. So if you have a one energy cost card, you could play that one on turn one. If you have two of those on turn two, then you could play those two cards. But some cards cost five and some cards cost six, which means you have to wait until you get to the last turn to play your finisher, so to speak. And I thought it would get repetitive really quickly. And I guess it kind of does, but it's not really a problem like I do find myself playing a lot of the same cards in the exact same turn but it's always different or it always feels different because the game introduces like a location mechanic basically there are three locations and for the first three turns they are revealed in consecutive order so on turn one you know what one is turn two you get another turn three you get the third and you have to win two out of three of those locations by having more power in that said location which is a number on the top right of the card so if i play a wolverine for instance he's like a three power card 
if my opponent only has a Nightcrawler who is a power two, then I'm winning that location. And if they play no other cards there, um, then I win that location and I just have to win one other one to win the game. And that's essentially it in a very simple nutshell. But quickly you learn that it's very much, way more so than Hearthstone, I would say, like a mind game. Like it really is about just oh, like, yeah. like playing a card in a certain spot, like especially because they're like, for instance, like a lot of people in the beginning play the Guardian of the Galaxy cards, which are if your opponent plays a card in the same place that you played your Guardian that turn, so Rocker Raccoon, for instance, then Rocker Raccoon will essentially double his power. So you're almost like thinking like, okay, they probably think I'm going to play on this space. So I'm going to play on this other space. But the affirmation locations are also completely random and there's a ton of them and there are new ones introduced every Tuesday. And those can range from all cards on this location get plus five power, all cards on this location lose three minus three power, or every time you play a card here, you shuffle three zero power rocks into your deck, which is really annoying. Or if you play a card here, it immediately gets destroyed. So you have to find creative ways to get cards there, or maybe you're just hosed and you can't do anything like with that location. But yeah, it's just about adapting. Not every deck is going to work for everything, but the game has um, a retreat mechanic, which I think is really smart. Because if you know you're going to lose, you can just hit retreat and you'll just lose like a cube, which you know, do you want to explain the, the cube mechanic? Because that's probably like the, the that, crux that's of it. Where, yeah, yes. for sure. So is that, is that the snap? That's the ranking. Yes, mechanic. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there is a ranking system in this game. Uh, every 10, I guess, cubes, which is... At the end of each match, you will win or lose cubes. Um, yeah, minimum two, or I guess max two. Minimum two, maximum two if no one snaps. And what snapping is, you touch the cube at the very top of the screen, and that basically means you're trying to tell your opponent, hey, I'm going to beat you. It's almost like you're betting on the game, right? But you could also be bluffing, although I've never exactly bluffed. But like, let's say uh, I snap. That means by the end of the game, uh, four cubes will be uh, will be up for stakes. So either they're going to win four cubes, and I'm going to lose four, or I'm going to win four, and they're going to lose uh, four cubes. Where it gets like real fun is when you both snap, because then that means that eight cubes are now going to be up for grabs. And so that is what it's going to dictate... Uh, how much you level up your rank or de-level your rank. Uh, so 8 cubes is pretty much an entire rank. 10 rank, uh, ten cubes gets you uh, gets you up in the rank. Well, I guess it's... How do I explain this? How do I explain this? How do I explain this? It, it does sound like you're kind of saying not only do the games go fast, but if you do the snap system, your yeah, own see. progression through the system, through the ranks and everything can go just as well. Like, the whole game just sounds very speedy. Yeah, If you play your cards yeah, right, absolutely. pun intended. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, you call their bluff. Like, if they snap at you, you're like, oh, no, like I actually have the upper hand, so I'm going to snap back. But... Or, you know, if they snap, then you go like, yeah, I already wasn't sure I was going to win, and they're snapping. I'm just going to retreat, and I, yeah. the nice thing is... I like, just lose, like, one. Yeah. As long as you don't let the turn end, be, like, as soon as one person snaps, if they retreat before the end of the turn, then they will only lose the one cube instead of the four. 
which is but nice. you also only win one cube which is very frustrating because i hate it when they when they snap and then i snap back and then they retreat Oh, it's so irritating. Yeah, like, I love you... how this whole thing, if you don't know what you're talking about, sounds like people are just having mental breaks nonstop. Like they snapped at me and then I snapped back at them and I only got one cube. I was so frustrated. It just sounds like everyone's like Yeah, freaking. knowing when to snap well, can also be its own thing because I've noticed you have more success with people not retreating or maybe it's just because it's kind of dirty. Is you wait for the timer to almost run out on the last turn and then you snap. That way they almost don't have a chance to react to the snap or to hit the retreat button. So they're almost guaranteed to lose four cubes anyway. But, you know, there are some people that will literally snap as soon as the game starts. Like, whether they saw their first hand and they're like, oh, I got this. Or, you know, they're just YOLOing it and that's just what they do. I, I do that every now and then. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Be like, uh, let's let's see how this how this round goes. But I guess... Oh, so the, oh go for it. I was just going to say, the big question I have as someone that isn't as you point out, is versed in card games, and maybe this isn't the right game for me. If I did want to try it, how far can I get without having to pay anything? Like, how heavy-handed is the free-to-play mechanics versus just, is it just different, you know, booster packs or things like that? Or do you earn those in the game? No. How's that work? So, as far as I understand it, everybody unlocks the the same cards. Um, Just it. Cards are hidden on, like, this track, on, like, this player progression track, and everybody shares that same track. So everybody will have the same cards. Um, Where the, like, pay to... It's not even even pay to win, because I feel like the game is is pretty pretty well balanced. Um, There are season passes, so this season, in conjunction with Wakanda Forever releasing... uh, the cards on the season pass are Black Panther themed. So mm-hmm. uh, you have Black Panther, Okaye, and uh, Nakia that are on the season uh, pass track uh, that you can pay $10 for. And that's really the only way to unlock um, Black Panther. Aside from that, uh, you can upgrade your... You have to upgrade your cards um in order for you to progress on this track uh, where you unlock the same cards as everybody else. And to do so, you need um, boosters, which you will randomly get at the end of each match, and credits, which you get by doing like your weekly missions, your your daily missions, which are just like, can range anything from like, oh, just play uh, play 10 cards and you'll get 25 credits, or like some of the hard ones, which will be like, oh, you have to play nothing but six, but uh, six power cards, and you have to play about twenty of those, and then oh, here's five hundred credits, um, and that will give you enough currency to upgrade your cards, and of course, the more you upgrade them, the more expensive they get, and so mm-hmm. that's that's sort of where where the game nudges you a little bit like, hey, for $3, you can get 500 credits. But generally, you can get away with not paying anything at all. Yeah, um, it's gotcha. pretty lenient in that front. And even then, um, just to kind of like clarify something about the the season pass track, like Okoye, um, Nakia, and Black Panther for this season, like Okoye and Nakia are... Are just variants because those you can unlock through the normal track already. Like I've, I'm sure Kevin and I already have both of them. You're just getting new styles of them. Black Panther, 
and in the last season it was Miles Morales, it's more of like a get it early. But two months after the that season ends, they're going to be added to the pool of cards. Because on that... Oh, interesting. So basically, so all the cards are still 100% free. It's just whether you want to get them now. So right now, you know, I'm not right. the biggest fan of Black Panther. So they're like, okay, I don't feel tempted to get it. But the Miles Morales one, the final card on the track was a variant of Miles Morales that is straight up from Spider-Verse. And I'm like, oh, man, I love that one. I have to get it. So I did pay for that one. And considering how much I've played, $10 is more than fair. Um, Right. But the other thing is, too, like, when you upgrade your cards, you only get points for the cards that are in your deck when you're playing the game, which is a nice, cool way of um, basically making it feel more rewarding to upgrade cards because they're cards you're actually using. It's not like it's going to ask you to upgrade you know Groot and it's like oh I've never even played Groot like I don't want to upgrade that it's like and, your Pokemon in your party the yeah. six you carry with you are the ones that get their experience and the ones you don't don't and the upgrades yeah. are very yeah. prominent like to your opponent like well maybe not in the beginning but essentially you know first you just have your card then when you upgrade it the first time the character art like breaks out of the frame so you get kind of like a little visual flair to it then after that you get a 3d effect to it where if you move your with your gyroscope or you just move the card around you get a nice really nice layering effect it's probably the most prominent one i've seen in this kind of thing then after that it's animated but the animated is so subtle on some cards you can barely even tell they're animated and then you get a shiny logo and i then think you get an animated border which I think you could barely tell there. You could just tell that it's red, and that's how you know, like, oh man, they've been really yeah. playing this card. When you're, when I don't you're know upgrading what your cards, you're not upgrading their stats or their abilities. You're literally just upgrading the card, like the the artwork on the card. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's like making that's it a that's foil a... card, basically, so it looks more yeah. special to you. Yeah. This all sounds like really clever ways to keep the game accessible to newer players that are joining later on. You know, like the fact that the season pass cards are available in the general pool a couple months later. The fact that all the upgrades you do don't necessarily make the card better. They just add some pizzazz to show that you like the card. What's great about it. What's great about it is that I, for the game, for the, for the few games that I have lost, I, I've never, that was a humble brag. I've never never felt that I've lost those games because they paid to have a stronger card. Like I've, I've never, felt a pay to win uh i've never felt that i've lost because they paid to have a better card than me um there are still cards that i like there's still brand new cards that i keep seeing because people are much farther ahead i barely started playing like four days ago um but Mm -hmm. i've already put like 10 hours into this game it's it's freakishly addictive and the fact that each game can only really last up to three minutes is like fantastic it's see that's what was appealing to me is i feel like so many of these card games like hearthstone or you know resolve that hearthstone issue or even like in the beginning it's a nice balance yeah that's so short um because even like the the digital version of pokemon trinker game like those take a while hearthstone's a little quicker i know but those take a while and i think for me part of the reason i never done is like i don't mind little essentially brain teasers or little like puzzles to figure out when like in a competitive sense which is kind of what a card game ultimately is but if it's like a 20 minute deal where you're basically playing chess against someone it's like okay but if it's like two or three minutes they might that might actually be appealing to me and probably to a lot of people who wouldn't dive into deeper ones yeah which makes putting the marvel license on it that much more interesting because they know 
this sort of rapid fire game has the potential for that mass appeal, so they might as well put the biggest properties in the world yeah. on it to and further sure enhance that appeal. There are definitely a lot of cards or like, you know, characters I'm like, I don't know who this is, or I don't know who this is, or it's like, oh, it's that rock dude from you know, Love and Thunder. Oh not Love and Thunder. You don't know who well, that Ragnarok. is? Tisk Tisk. He's in both. He's in both. Cord. Oh, he's in both. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, stuff like that. But the other, I guess, point of contention that's been kind of like part of the reason some people really love it or some people are kind of annoyed by it is that there is, you know, that rewards track again. The first, I don't know how many levels are fixed. Like, everyone is going to get those exact same cards as they progress up to, I want to say, like, Odin. Like, once you get Odin, it's like, okay, cool. After that, they're all random. Well, we'll, oh, talk, we'll, we'll, really? we'll talk about... Oh, interesting. So, so basically, like, up to you... As you're going on the rewards track, some cards, like, you straight up see which one you're going to get. And then you unlock it. Cool. It's through your deck. But then at some point, they're just going to turn into question marks. And yeah. what that means is that it at that point, it you could have gotten, you know, say, Iceman way before someone else. Or someone could have gotten Killmonger way before someone else. So... Their idea was that it's like back in the old days where you open up a booster pack and you got that rare card that everyone else had to deal with because you got it and maybe they won't get it. Ignoring the fact that trading is a thing because in this world you can't you can't trade anything. But but you're only but what kind of helps mitigate this because there are a ton of cards in the deck, so it's not like oh man this person got you know what's a good card right now I guess uh. I'll, I'll just say Professor X just to throw a card out there. Um, Professor X. Like, just because someone has Professor X doesn't mean they're going to be dominating forever because they are split into pools. So when you start the game, you're basically in pool one, which is comprised of, like, let's just say, like, 30-something cards. So of those random cards, you're only going to get cards from pool one until you get all of them in pool one. So you're only going to be playing against other people that only have that haven't completed the pool one pool of cards. That would so, be my question. So you might how do they balance? So you might yeah, still get cards like that other people yeah. don't. You might have you know you could argue you might have a little advantage here and there, but it's the same for everybody. So it's kind of cool. Like you see some cards you haven't seen before, they might see some cards they haven't seen before. Makes it feel that much more personal because it's your collection. And then once you collect all the ones in pool one the next question mark card is going to you're going to start going into pool two cards and then you know it suddenly becomes really open again and cards that may not have had anything to synergize with in pool one may now suddenly have like oh this is what these cards were for like now here's like the the makings of a move deck which i really really love to use and oh man i got i got my ass beat by a move deck recently that oh man i didn't even know was possible to to destroy somebody with a with a move deck, but it they destroyed me. Yeah, and I'm sure like Kevin, like my phone is now filled with just screenshots of like game winning scenarios where I have like the whole field was like multiple men and they're all like plus seven or ten or higher or like oh, stuff like yeah. that. Like just like a bunch of high or absolutely. And I remember placing a I, I forgot what location it is where you get um copies of them as soon as you lay the card down. Oh I, oh, I think it was a sinister, sinister yeah, bar. I think. Yeah, bar sinister. Yeah, bar sinister. Yeah, and I remember, I was getting, I was getting my, uh, the middle location. I had nobody there, but that's because I had a claw in my hand, 
And so uh. I just put him on Bar Sinister, and that middle location, I had no cards, but Claw's ability is when you reveal him, uh, the location to your right gets plus six. So as soon as I play Claw there, not only that, but Claw is also like a four power card. So I was at plus 16 because I had four Claws there, plus uh, 24 yeah. because of all the abilities that, that Claws had that, that moved on to that location. And then I think I played like a Namor and got got it to plus 34, and that's how I won that one. Oh, so satisfying. It, yeah, those moments are great. The, the mind game. Yeah, the the mind games that that you're playing with the with the other person and like you're also you're strategizing for yourself but you're also ha- you also have to think about whatever your opponent is thinking and based on their card you can also assume what kind of deck they run. Uh like I'm sure Angel you have multiple decks, right? Like Yeah, I like have my an ongoing deck, I have an on reveal deck. I have decks that revolve around just one character that I need to play at the end like it's very versatile. Yeah, I would say of all the decks I have, yeah, the the move deck is definitely up there. Um, but it's like my second favorite deck. But my favorite deck is a control deck, which is basically a shut down your opponent from doing stuff, or let them think they're doing stuff and then completely like neutralize them. Like I'll run cards like Enchantress that negate the effects of like ongoing cards, or I'll run Cosmo oh, that yeah. negates the effects of unreveal cards. Or my two favorite is Storm and Professor X, where depending on the field, by turn five, sometimes it's clear like, oh, okay, they're definitely going to try to play a card here because they want to win that location. So since this one's empty, I'm going to play Professor X there. And his ability is prevent any cards from moving in and out of or being played on this place. So if he's the only card there, then I just automatically win it like nothing. And Storm, she will not only neutralize the effect of a location but on the following turn if you don't play a card there it becomes flooded and no one can play cards there anymore so typically i'll play storm on a location that already has one of my cards or none of theirs and then i'll be flooding and then the next turn i'll play you know uh jessica jones because she doubles her power on the turn after you don't play a card in that location which is going to be flooded by then anyway and suddenly I win that location without really doing anything. So, yeah, a lot of great scenarios like that. But once you reach pool three, which is, I guess, the final pool at the moment, um, there are so many cards there, and that's where the strategies get really crazy that, yeah, it's going to be a while before you collect it, especially because the rewards track starts to really slow down. Like, before it would take, you know, two collection levels to unlock something new i'm at the point where it takes like six to unlock something new like whether it's you know more boosters or credits or whatever see what's my level at i'm at 467 on my collection level yeah i'm i'm barely up to level 116 damn but yeah yeah it's fun like i said i've only been playing like for four days but it's very fun. So I would give it worth a shot, Jason. I mean, especially the tutorial is like okay. pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Like they do, they force you to do it, so you're gonna learn how to play. But right, yeah, right. But... and not just the tutorial. To be fair, this whole pool thing you're describing is very much a Nintendo style ramp up into the expertise of the game. Like the way that they section out certain cards, and then those cards, as you 
move into the next pool and the next pool based on what you're saying become more useful in different ways with new systems and stuff that other cards introduce that's yeah, a very nintendo style player ramp up so yeah it sounds like they got that down cool wacky, which is great. like i just like to give like a few more examples like besides we've already mentioned move decks which require which are about moving your card from one location to another there are i've already mm-hmm. talked about control decks shutting down your opponent kevin had mentioned um on reveal decks which is when your card is flipped face up that's when it does something and usually those are really powerful or there's ongoing effects where every time you play a card this gets powered up and then there are discard decks where every time you play a card like blade he's like a really strong level one cost minion but because he's really strong he discards a card from your hand but there's a card named hella which you've thor's sister um when you play her on turn six she will summon every card that was discarded that game so if you discarded some really strong stuff, or if you just jam pack your hand with like really high cost stuff, then you're gonna, you know, basically win the game as soon as you play Hella, like almost every time. But yeah, they get crazy. There's even a deck, um, I think it's one of the versions of the discard game that uses Agatha. I believe she's like the villain from the that one show. Water Vision. Yeah, and she's getting her own spin-off. Yep. And her deck, she's a really interesting card because she'll always start in your opening hand. But she will play cards for you until you get her out of your hand. So she just plays like... And she won't like cheat out cards. She'll play like... If you have nothing to play, you'll have nothing to play. But she may not play them in the location you want. But usually the idea is you want her to play cards that discard. So that they'll discard her. So that you get control back. So that then she gets summoned later because she's a pretty powerful card. Or she might just end up playing herself. Like on turn four. But... Interesting. And there's also interesting. And there are some cards that aren't even available in the pool whatsoever, but you could get randomly. Like there's a card called Agent Twelve or Thirteen. I don't know if you've played this card yet, Kevin. But um No, I think I've I've had it played against me. But it's like some woman with a sniper, and basically she gives you just a random card. And you can get Galactus to do that, which is currently the only way you can get it. And Galactus will straight up he's like a three power, so he's pretty low power wise. But um, if you play them in a location, and if the location happens to be when you're already winning, or your opponent decides like, oh, I don't need to play something that in that location because I'm already winning the other two, Galactus will straight up blow up the other two locations he's not in and all the cards there. So it almost kind of like neutralizes the game at that point. It's like you have to hope you, you're running a destroy deck where the idea that you destroy your own cards, which may help populate that missing place, but... Yeah, Galactus is kind of nutty. Apparently Thanos is there too, but I have not even seen what he's like. So kind of excited to run into him. But, yeah, this uh, game's fantastic. One of the best free-to-play games to release in recent and, history. And actually, one more thing to note is like, this is, it, and it should have been clear by now, but like it doesn't really feel like a cash grab like other mobile games, like the interface. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like it at all. I, I, would, yeah. I would say I still like Actually, uh, it's been getting a little more clustered the more things they add to Hearthstone, but I would still say that Hearthstone is still my favorite UI just for getting into a game and playing. But Marvel Snap is might be topping just because it's so quick and easy. Like, I love... That was why I couldn't get into Teppin, the Capcom one, because that game feels like it's, like, shoving, like, monetization at your face, and you're just going through menus, and it's like, where is, where's my deck? Like, how do I move these cards? Uh, where do I go to play even a game? And... 
it just doesn't even feel optimized. It feels like kind of laggy. Like this menu for Snap feels like snappy and responsive, pun intended. And um, but more than anything, like, what the oh, go for it. What what the thing to to add to like your your UI like there are five options at the bottom of the screen. Like the middle one is like where you play, and then off to the left is that location. For the monetization stuff, it's all the way to the left. So it's not like it's the very first thing that you're going to see. Of course, the first thing that you're going to see is them like advertising their like season pass, because of course. But aside from naturally, that, yeah. naturally, aside from that, you don't have to unless you're going all the way to the shop, which is all the way to the left. You are never going to see buy more to be able to do this. You know, like pay three bucks to to be able to do this. It's, it's exactly. Great. That being but, said, that being said, I did I I have bought a, a variant card. I bought the variant Jessica Jones because Jessica Jones is probably one of my favorite cards. So yeah, I did buy I, her. I, I, so I, I saw the picture you her. posted. I was like, damn, that is a nice variant. Yeah, if I see it is it is a nice variant, right? Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what they get you too. Like it's cool. Like I mean, you do get gold. Very variants are kind of expensive, but you know, if you have enough gold, then you're patient enough. You you get one. But if you see one you really really like, and if you've invested a ton of hours into the game. I, I think it's fair to like show yeah, some support, we'll yeah. splurge a little bit, yeah. But what you I would say, but the last thing, well, um, I mean, you paid for it, but you earned paying for it. Last thing I wanted to mention though was something that right from the get go, you know, kind of going to the whole like, yeah, you could tell they really cared about this game, or like just, or just wanted to make it like as, I guess, enthralling as possible. Like in Hearthstone, um, every card when you play it has a voice line, just like in Marvel Snap, like they'll say something. Neat little detail, but in Hearthstone, it's only when you play a legendary card, which you know are the rarest cards to get, and usually like the ones with the biggest effects, they'll have like some kind of like animated flourish. And yeah, like the ones in Hearthstone are definitely way more elaborate, but you know it's only a few cards that have it. In Marble Snap, almost every single card has an animated flourish, and if sometimes it's even just when you're holding and dragging the card around when you're deciding where you're gonna oh, place yeah. it, which is super cool. Like little detail they did not need to do like if you're holding Ant-Man the card will shrink down as you're holding it <laughs> or Iron Man will have like jet propulsion like jet propulsion jets or whatever under yes, him or Spider-Man will swing Star Lord will also have the same thing yeah it's super cool and Hoffman Radical will do a little, little flippy flip when you drop them like, that also points to it being not just a cash grab and that there's actual like passion behind the project yeah like little things like that we talked about it with Nintendo stuff back in Norman time but like you can tell when the team making something is extremely proud of what they're doing, extremely passionate about what they're doing. Like, even if you look at, like, all the little nips and tucks. I said when the Switch came out. If you look at all the little nips and tucks with the Switch interface, where you, like, put the Joy-Con on, it does that little rubber band thing on the side with the sound effect, and the little rubber band thing matches the color of the Joy-Con. The Wii U didn't have any little flourish like that. They knew they nailed it with the Switch, and they had fun with it. And it sounds like they're doing the same with Snap. Like, they know they're nailing it. That's how they're able to do stuff like that. Yeah, I hope. I mean, yeah. while I do see myself continue to play this game for I guess as long as it holds my attention which it feels like it's going to be a while I would love to see this studio tackle another property I mean if any, if I had to like if anyone would, would do Nintendo I think I would hope they would do it but you know that's not going to happen that's never going to happen but yeah I mean it's introducing me to Marvel characters I don't know who Infinite is but he seems interesting I'm sure if he pops up in a Marvel movie, I'll be like, oh, it's that dude from Snap. That would make, make it a little cooler. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I will say, um, I'm on the page to download right now on the App Store. I have a very small window to try this out because right now, 
this weekend is both the Splatfest and Splatoon 3 for Pokemon and Pikmin Bloom's one-year anniversary Community Day oh, weekend. So I'm kind of juggling both already. But, and then Pokemon Scarlet and Violet comes out Friday. Oh so I have like God. a four-day window after this weekend to try it. So I'm downloading it now to get ready. Um, in the description for the game, it has selling points like super fast games. Every match feels different. Snap to raise the stakes. True. And then there's literally just True. a bullet point of I am Groot. And it says True. I am Groot. 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 And that's literally a whole piece of their selling point. And there's more selling points under it. So even just that, like in the middle of the selling points, are lies. a joke. Yeah, it's what? And none of those are lies. None of those bullet points are lies. Oh, they're not? <laughs> they're not. That's fine. Well, is Groot in the game yet? Because that one would be there. Uh, he's, so. he's in the game. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. You want to yeah. touch on Splatoon 3? Yeah. We well, I kind of wanted to talk about it in the context of... Um, let me work towards it. Uh, am I the only one that's keeping up with the Marvel MCU stuff on Disney Plus these days? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I saw. I finally saw Love and Thunder like two weeks ago. It was fine. I don't. Know. Yeah, it's fine, right? It's okay. It's, it's not. Like, it's not people were over dramatic. Like, it's yeah. no Ragnarok, but like, it was but like, n- oh, this is the end of the MCU. It, it it was fine. It was a little overindulgent, but like it's fine. Chill. Yeah, out. the goat joke was a little like three years ago on the internet, but it's okay. Sure. Yeah, You'll survive. but okay. Well, let me explain why I want to start with MCU to get to Splatoon. Because here's what happens when you guys don't give me a podcast to talk about in the month. Because like I said, I had a really loose schedule. You guys are busy, completely understandable. But my mind starts working in weird ways, and I start going in weird directions with stuff. And the thing that sprung up to me is about a month ago, She-Hulk ended and Werewolf by Night were released. And these are two MCU properties that actually did things a little different than most of the MCU. So if you look at kind of the MCU in general, you got the movies. They kind of stick to a certain formula. You've got – there's variations within it, but they pretty much stick to a sing, single formula. Then they start going into TV, and you got like WandaVision, which was like what if we had the plot of the movie, like the action movie, divide up into the first two-thirds being almost like little TV shows. And then the back third is just the big CG third act the world's ending, we got to save the world type of thing. And I was like, okay, maybe they're moving in a different direction. And then every show since, to varying degrees, was basically that same idea of, well, let's chop up a movie into episodes, and then it'll end with a big third act, the world's going to end, we need to save it type of thing. She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night broke the pattern. And that was cool. And it was really cool to see Marvel being open to changing things. And what I realized in watching that is and this is eventually how we'll tie into Splatoon 3, is there is an art to change. There's an art form to making change work in a way that won't disrupt things too much, but will give just enough to kind of keep people interested and bring in additional people. So I feel like with She-Hulk, to start there, what I really liked about She-Hulk is they didn't feel the need to make it and it's funny that I'm starting with MCU because we were just talking about Marvel for so long. But I feel like with She-Hulk, they didn't seem to feel the need to make it this super uh, – I don't know how to describe it. Basically, it wasn't a movie chopped into parts. They were independent episodes. They kind of had like – it was like kind of a Monster of the Week store of almost like lawyer show with a different crime meets like kind of like a – like I said, a Monster of the Week. Um, and there were through lines of plots or overarching plots. But like you could – you could probably skip one and still get the gist of it. 
and more of the point, because they were breaking it up, they were able to do things that didn't really necessarily need I wouldn't call them filler episodes, but they weren't like court. There's a wedding episode that had one little thing that tied into the other, but it was mostly just a wedding episode. There was, you know, um, somewhere it focused more on like her day job, somewhere it focused more on her relationships. And it was just nice that it didn't have to fit this mold of the Marvel origin show, movie, whatever starts with here's a person, here's how they got their superpowers, here's what happens once they have their superpowers, here's a world ending thing they have to address. Like this one, it stayed more on uh, her normal everyday life. Like not as much she was not as much She Hulk in terms of like fighting baddies and that sort of thing. It's more about like her internalizing becoming She Hulk and what that means and how the world kind of looks at this idea of She Hulk. There's a lot of like kind of uh, women empowerment stuff in there, but it was very like structured in a way where it was like not just she became She Hulk. She fought. Um, you know, random bad guy X, everything's okay. Even like the final act, I won't spoil it. It's very meta. But even that one, they kind of, while still being the big third act that uses a lot of CG, like every Marvel thing, they kind of swerved it and did it differently. And it was just nice to see that Marvel kind of knows what works, which is a certain style of humor, a certain sort of tone, um, tie-ins with other things in their universe. But they're willing to actually experiment with the things that they thought could maybe broaden their horizons or bring in a different audience and that was you know more of an episodic thing it wasn't a six-part miniseries it was like a 10 episode or a nine episode or something like show and it felt like a show not a chopped up movie and that was really nice so i think marvel's starting to kind of better understand like how to go about changing their formula and kind of what the art of i guess making changes can be if that makes sense and then the other side of that was werewolf by night which was the first of what marvel's now doing called um special presentations where they're these one-off self-contained things and the one coming out next is um guardians of the galaxy's holiday special which looks a little more like standard marvel fair but what werewolf by night did that i thought was cool is much like she hulk marvel kind of recognized what works in the universe what doesn't and then experimented with it they're open to changing certain things so in the case of werewolf by night they realize okay well maybe what if we don't have an origin story what if we just kind of dump you in the middle of a situation and then through the situation, you get kind of your cool moments. We keep the humor. We keep sort of a big climax, although at smaller scale because it's only a 45-minute special, so it's not like a world-ending thing. Uh, but, you know, like, what well, if we toy with the formula a little and change these other aspects and see how that goes? And it was really just kind of refreshing. Um, it wasn't anything right home about. It wasn't, like, the most amazing Marvel thing they've ever done, but it was a fun, especially going into Halloween, like a fun 45, 50-minute little self-contained romp. And, of course... Because it's Marvel, there are hooks in there that can play into bigger MCU stuff. Um, there's a creature in there that apparently guards the multiverses or something. Um, so there's like little things like that. But for the most part, it's just really cool, again, to see Marvel be like, you know what? We can actually try changing things. And they kind of found the right, at least on some level, like the art form of how do you change that? What is the like the art of change, like how you change something in a way that will still stay true to what got you here and what fans like, but also can start experimenting in another direction. Could they have done a little more? Could they have done this sooner with other projects? Probably. But looking at what they did and then looking at something like Black Adam and then looking at something like Splatoon 3 and then bear with me, looking at something like the Twitter conundrum these past two weeks, it's really interesting to see who understands like how to properly go about implementing change and who understands or doesn't understand at all. Like Black Am, for example, I would say it's closer to getting it right, but Black Am, so that's the DC side of things, right? And there, um, 
they definitely did what Marvel did. They made like an itemized list of, so here's what we think works in our DC universe, which in this case is apparently uh, weird sped up and slow down action shots that Zack Snyder loves to do, but now by a different director. Um, they somehow took a takeaway that you need to have a kid that's empowered at some point, which I think was a learning they got from Shazam, and I don't think they quite understood that learning. Like, I don't know if that's a real learning, but they ran with it. Like, you could see the threads in Black Adam where they were trying to rearrange the hierarchy of the DCU or whatever they used to say, but um, they didn't quite master the art of, like, finding what worked well and what didn't and figuring out what things to change and what not to change going forward. Like, it still kind of felt... Like, I feel like Shazam did it more interestingly, Aquaman did it more interestingly, but, like, Black Adam, which was sold as this huge, like, sea change of, of the DC film universe. Like, this is it. This is where everything changes forever. Like, it actually, they did, they weren't as good at that art of change. Like, they didn't quite as much understand the things that people loved from, at least in my opinion, the things that people thought were more interesting in the DC movies and ran with those. They ran with sort of, sort of the lessers. Like, there's stuff from Aquaman that didn't seem learned here. Uh, but they instead learn more from the Snyder stuff. So, you know, there's like different degrees of change, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know if this makes any sense, but this is like everything I've been watching since those two Marvel shows has been through this lens of like, well, do they understand change? Like, do they get change? Because even like Splatoon, you know, we were talking about for so long before it came out, they're not changing it enough. They're not changing enough. They're not doing enough, you know? And then Nintendo put out their sales numbers and it was kind of interesting because, you know, a normal RAM Nintendo, if this was before the new show, I'd tell you guys, you know, all these different stats and stuff. But what I thought was interesting is we were like Splatoon 3 doesn't seem different enough. There's not enough change. But I think Nintendo actually identified the right change because here at the end of the day, uh, just to throw a few numbers at you real quick, um, Switch isn't doing as hot at the moment. The hardware is down like 19% what? year over year. I know it's it's mostly oh. semiconductor shortages supposedly, but it's down 19% year over year. They're lowering their forecast by 10%, so it's 19 million for the whole fiscal year instead of 21. But software went up 1.6%, and some of that was Switch Sports. It sold like six million. Some of that was Mario Strikers. It sold like two million. Xenoblade I think sold 1.7 million, and you know Mario Kart still selling three million every quarter. Kirby sold another two million. It's now the best selling Kirby game of all time. But the biggie was the one that we were like, they're not changing it enough. Splatoon 3, 7.9 million in like a month. That's 60% of what Splatoon sold in five plus years in a month. It's in Japan alone already outsold the entirety of Splatoon 1's lifetime sales. Like clearly, Nintendo chose something right with Splatoon 3. And I was thinking about, again, under this weird lens of like change and how Marvel like seems to be inching in certain ways and understanding what works on their shows and movies and what they can experiment with like they know like i said like they know the humor works they know uh kind of the tie-ins work but they have a little room to wiggle with maybe how they present the story or do they focus on the real life or the superhero life and like stuff like that i feel like nintendo contrary to what we were saying made probably a very itemized list of okay here's what works with splatoon the battle systems work well the different modes work well the um customization we offer works well what doesn't work well is the online matchmaking. What doesn't work well is some of the limitations. What doesn't work well is how far gaming has gone with online like spaces and expressing yourself in those spaces in the time since Splatoon 2. 
and and thus Platoon Three. Suddenly, if you look at it, the system, like the game systems are the same, the modes are the same. Salmon Run doesn't have a limitation anymore. Customization is a huge focus point now. You can customize like triple what you could before. You get emotes, you get title tags, you get your locker, and then um, the other big thing they fixed was the online infrastructure. The app's way more useful. You get way more information in it. The lobby system is way better. The matchmaking is way faster. And I think looking back now, they were kind of following the same sort of playbook that Marvel did well, that DC did a little less well with Black Adam maybe, but just this idea of like identify what works well, keep that, and then just kind of build around that. Meanwhile, we were seeing here like they need a new mode. They need to reinvent. They need to do all these things. And I mean, the numbers don't really lie. Like Splatoon's killing it right now off that approach. And I think to a large degree, what Nintendo saw, what Marvel sees, what DC's trying to see maybe, is there is, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, there is an audience untapped. There's an untapped audience. If you know you have something that works well, you can experiment with the other parts that don't work as well, but keep the core and that core can still, if you match it with better surrounding attributes, can make for a thing that draws in more people. The fact that Splatoon 3 didn't actually change its gameplay like at all, but did all these other like quality of life improvements, that's drawing in a lot of people. I mean, at the end of the day, um, there are 106 million Switch, active Switch players in the past year. There are 36 million Switch Online subscribers. There are 290 million people who made Nintendo accounts. 800 million people who have tried Nintendo's mobile games. Splatoon 2 sold like 13 million. So clearly, they have confidence in the core, but there's so much improvement they can do. And so they, they're, that's what they're doing. They're keeping the exact core, and they're just building around it in a different way, a better way, whatever. It's what Marvel's doing with now expanding into She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night. Uh, it just seems like it just seems like that's, there's kind of an art to this that maybe we weren't really thinking about when we were complaining about Splatoon 3 not being different enough. We're complaining about the speed at which Pokemon iterates and it evolves its formula because, again, there's a core they wanted to stick to, but they did want to slowly try and draw more people in. Maybe it went too slow, and obviously some of this is subjective, but it kind of it kind of re... I had, like, a month to think about all this, and it kind of, like, re... I had a reassessment of a lot of it. And I think that's why even, like, we're seeing now uh, Nintendo announced that um, DNA, the guys that do their mobile games, they're forming a joint company called Nintendo Systems, and the entire purpose of the company is to do value adds for services and subscriptions. And I think, again, it's one of those things where it's like, Nintendo's like, all right, we have this core thing. 36 million people subscribe to Switch Online. We have these 800 million people playing our mobile games. How do we enhance that? Not how do we rewrite it, not how do we change it completely, just how do we like build on what worked for those audiences. And that ultimately is when change works. And that the reason I say it like that is because if you look at Twitter, here's how I thread that needle. If you look at Twitter... They haven't done any of that correctly in the time since Elon Musk turned So, okay, who's keeping up with Twitter? Um, Is anyone keeping up with the chaos? Only what you've posted? Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't even know what's going on. So here's what's going on in a nutshell. Uh, Elon, on a whim, was like, I'm going to buy Twitter for $44 billion. He did no research. He did no data, anything. He just said, I'm going to do it. Twitter's like, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, sure, we are we are obligated to give our shareholders the most money they can get. This is way higher than our stock value, so we're gonna, we're going to say yes. Elon very quickly got cold feet because he realized how dumb of an idea it was, uh, and then turns like no 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 no, you already made the promise. You're now affecting our stock uh, value, 
and we're going to sue you and make you take over the company because we are obligated not to the users of Twitter but to our shareholders, and they were promised X amount of money, and they're not getting it. So they sued him, and right before it went to discovery, like right before this is all going like, to start blowing up um, and all the little inner workings of Elon's mind and his plan would have come out, he suddenly, for reasons unknown, was like, okay, fine, I'll buy it. So whatever was going to come out in the court case, he didn't want to come out. He just was like, fine, I'll buy the company, whatever. Um, and then he bought the company. And the last two weeks, uh, my friend described it as it's like the Titanic is sinking, but instead of there being a sad string quartet playing, everyone's having a Coachella on the deck. Like basically, the the company's going down. They, when he bought them, they were slightly profitable, like two hundred twenty million dollars or something, which compared to the billions on Facebook or Google or Apple or whatever, you know, they're a smaller scale tech company for sure. But um, they were slightly profitable. But as part of his deal to buy them, he somehow, Elon, saddled more debt on Twitter. Like he, through buying Twitter, put some of the debt that was needed to buy Twitter on Twitter itself. So suddenly Twitter had like a billion dollars in debt that obviously $220 million in revenue cannot cover in any short amount of time. So now he, they have like – they basically cannot get out of this hole that he himself put on them by buying them. And every idea he has is just the exact opposite of what you to do. Like the idea of like understanding, like the like understanding how to go about changing because you know what works and you know where to improve and you have an understanding of the core and then you build around the core. Like everything I say about why Splatoon worked, why the Marvel shows work, why Black Adam maybe worked a hair less. Um, yeah, Elon doesn't have that. He, he has no fundamental understanding of the platform. So verification of users there are 450,000 verified users on Twitter uh, they are not there at some sort of elitist rank where you know you're a blue check you're special they're there because they don't want imposters so if someone says something that and they're oh, representing oh, a company oh, oh, or oh. a brand it's accurate he's like no 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 that's not why anyone should be verified because what matters is like we should all blue checks because then we're equal which is again not the purpose so he killed the verification system and then within minutes as everyone predicted tons of imposters that are tanking real company stocks they're taking down real industries like the natural gas market was down seven percent off some fake tweets by a fake company um you know people have been conditioned for like 12 15 years that check mark means it's from a verified source a check mark means if nintendo tweets you know uh hey we're launching the switch 2 next week if it's from that check mark then wow they're launching the switch 2 next week if it's from something without a check mark called Nintendo of US or whatever, instead of Nintendo of America, then uh, yeah, that's not real. But now we don't have that because anyone can get, a ver can get a check mark that used to mean verification for eight bucks. Elon claims eight bucks means there are no scammers, no trolls, no bots. Uh, you know, because you have to pay and you have to pay through Apple or you have to pay through Google using your phone and you can't scam that. You can't make a VPN and get a stolen credit card. You can't open a te temporary prepaid gift card, credit card and just use that. No, those things aren't possible. So, of course, it's completely unraveled. But again, the core misunderstanding was what is the purpose of verification? Why does it exist? And he completely upended it. So, so there's that issue. Um. He's also treating – he did huge layoffs and is treating the staff really poorly and making them do things on a whim and then undoing it and then redoing it. Because in the time of the verification, they also add a second official tag because they realize you can't have these verifications if they don't mean anything. You need a signal who is like an official government, who is an official company. They have rolled that out and back and out and back and out and back, I think, like six times in like 72 hours. So there's no <laughs> solid plan there. 
Uh, he's firing people in ma- in mass because he thinks he needs to cut costs because you know he did saddle them with an extra billion dollars in debt. Um, so the infrastructure of the thing is starting to fall apart. He uh, he. Uh, what else did he do? He is starting to use private data in some weird ways to the point that the head of their security, uh, like safety and security, and a few other executives all quit and warned the employees you might need to file whistleblowing complaints with the FTC for violating privacy laws. So there's that. Um, and as every step of the way, when you think, okay, there's got to be an understanding of the platform. There's not like every step of the way he somehow makes it worse. Every step of the way where it's like, oh, well, we do this for this reason. He's like, well, no, no, no. I'm doing it for this other reason and just undoes something. Like it's just – I'm leaving out a bunch of the drama. But basically he at astronomical speeds is tanking what is essentially one of the backbones of the internet. Like Twitter – well, not the most active platform in terms of raw user count. Like think about how many things you read that started with news from a tweet. Or how many sites you go on to have like an embedded tweet? Like it's everywhere, and yeah, he just am I gonna in have to follow, weeks. Am I gonna have to follow Wario sixty four to Mastodon? I, what even is Mastodon? Maybe, and that's the thing. I don't even think Mastodon is like gonna be the one in the end. It's gonna be something else. Because the thing with Mastodon, as much as I love that, instead of tweets, they're called toots. So instead of yeah. retweeting, you're retooting, which would be amazing to hear in the news cycle during the next election. It's like, oh, the president retooted today. But um, oh, oh, the president tooted today, which. Where the president tooted, you know, he tooted out that that job numbers are up, but um, or tooted out that the economy's, you know, down or whatever. But yeah, he's just tooting. Uh, No, but as amazing as that is, and again, it goes back to not understanding why things work how they work, um, like someone like Elon does, or even the Mastodon people. The reason Twitter works so well is it's super accessible and super easy. The problem with Mastodon is when you go sign up, you have to pick a server. I don't know what that means. I've I like there's like 20 different servers. They can recommend you somebody pick a server. The servers interlink and talk to one another, but you have to be on a server and that server has to kind of match your interest. We have to sit there and like sort out and figure out your server. And I don't think for mass appeal that's going to work. I do think people are a little more conditioned to understand that they make a parallel and rebrand them a little. So it's servers in the same way that like there are Slack channels or Discord channels. But even then, like the problem with Discord and Slack is everything's siloed, right? By design. You can't really have a siloed Twitter. It kind of undercuts. Um, what's interesting is the former guy in charge of Twitter, Jack, he's working on something called Blue Sky, which is what if Twitter was essentially like an email, a dis- decentralized like email protocol. So think about email where like you can use any app you want. If you type in the right name, it'll go to that person. If they type in the right name, it'll go back to you or whatever. If you could figure out a way to present Twitter-style data as like a protocol that could work like decentralized like email does, then you can use whatever client you want. You can use Mastodon. You can do whatever. All you're doing is you're going to a place that's signing you up for this short message service, and then it spits everything out to everyone everywhere as long as you follow the things that you want to follow. But unlike email, there's obviously a lot more complications because – you have to have profiles, you have to have following buttons, you have to be able to communicate all that. So I don't know what that's even going to look like. But um, Mastodon seems even one step removed from that because, again, it's all strictly by server. And they kind of overarch and they kind of don't. And the fact, if you have to sit down and teach someone how that works, it's never – And I, I should clarify one, one quick thing actually because I feel like I'm saying like the amount of change Marvel did, the amount of change Nintendo did is like the only correct amount of change. I don't – it's very subjective obviously. Um, like if you look at something like uh, 
the indie world. Did you guys watch the indie world this past week? Negative. The presentation? Nope. Didn't even know. Well, you didn't miss a whole lot. One of the complaints that a lot of people have are there weren't very many big name games. They announced Sports Story comes out next month, finally, after years, which is cool. But, like, in terms of, like, big indie, like, names you recognize, there wasn't a lot of that. And a decent number of people online are kind of bummed about that. I was saying they're really enjoying that they changed up the type of games they showed. Like, it wasn't a ton of roguelikes. It wasn't stuff you'd expect. There's, like, a game about planting, like, a game where you just maintain flowers called, like, Botany Manor. There was this cooking game that was kind of Cooking Mom, but also about sharing um, cultures, like an Indian cooking game called, uh, I think, Venba. There was um, a game where you have to put on improv shows called Once Upon a Jester, a game where you are organizing household objects, um, but then there's a cat who randomly just disrupts what you're doing called Little Two Left. Like, there's always games that were, like, kind of more unique, kind of more uh, out there, definitely more, like, indie games that only indies would make, you know what I mean? Um, but what was nice, I thought, was it was nice to see that change, right? Like, it was nice to see that it wasn't just focused on the things that guaranteed it works. Like, well, what are the cool things about indie games? They're different. They're unique. They are doing things no other game does. And Nintendo kind of pointed a lens on that in this presentation. Um, but again, to the point that change to be subjective, like, I thought that was very cool. I really liked how they did that change. A lot of people are like, there isn't anything, like, there's no meat on the bone here. So everything I'm saying about change is, is even, even to some degree with Twitter, I feel like everything I'm saying about change is very subjective of what you think is the right amount of change or wrong amount of change. I know a lot of people find the fourth phase of, M- of the MCU to be probably the weakest. Um, I would say movie-wise, you're probably right. But what's nice is just, or what I've come to realize over this past month or seen because I've had way too much time to dwell on this and no one to talk to, is um, there is definitely an art to doing change in a way that won't hurt you and to doing change in a way that will further help you. And some get it, and Elon Musk definitely does not. <laughs> but um, But yeah, it's just been interesting, like everything I've, done this past month has been through this lens of like well what are they doing differently like how is this different than what I'm used to seeing the month prior or whatever um, which maybe is also some sort of indictment about our culture as a whole of how everything's just remixes of things and reinventions of existing things and sequels to things and nothing's like truly new but um, yeah I don't know it's an interesting month of content consumption and Twitter destruction I'll, I'll say that so that's my whole what I've been up to and spiel about. I think you guys Kevin talked about Splatoon three. Well, there you go. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, there's a lot to say about Splatoon three. I know, and yet barely anything about actually Splatoon three. Man, I'm also yeah. bad that I had zero to say about anything Nintendo related. Um, it was uh, a slow month of oh, all time. I, 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 I got podcast. one. Um, it was a slow Ash news cycle. Became world champion. I thought that was that was neat. Yep, he finally became champion. And that see, that's an interesting one. I'll say it super brief, but that's an interesting one because okay. there is a big change. For the cartoon, and I don't know <laughs> where they go from there. <laughs> so, like, what 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 comes next? Just give us a new so, protagonist. Honestly, just, yeah, but see, that's too big of a change. So they're got to do something, and that it almost goes back to the like. Well, I, I mean, you about, can like, still have action the party. To keep have it a, have yeah, that might be it. That might be it, or maybe have be a maybe mentor. they're gonna that can be an exit to continue it. The youngins don't really. Or care maybe it's much like about Ash as we did. He's, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Maybe he's not trying the world. Maybe he becomes like a gym leader or elite four guy, <laughs> and it's like about his. Maybe Today he starts running world, a school. Animes love putting people in schools. Be it becomes uh, it becomes Hogwarts for Pokemon. Have you uh, have you guys I mean, seen the the final battle? I have not. I oh my god! I just realized, I guys, well, yeah, they're doing the school thing. I was oh, joking I mean, like... when I said make it Hogwarts. They're doing the school thing. 
the next game, Scar and Violet, are set in schools with students. Ash is about to become a professor. I kid you not. That's going to be it. Give it's it six to nine months. Like That's years it. old. They established in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire that multiple dimensions exist, and so now he wants to be the multidimensional champion. He has to be the best. Mm. Actually, in terms of the art of change thing I was talking about, that does make more sense because it keeps them closer to the formula they know works. So maybe, yeah. But, no, oh yeah, I did yeah. catch, like, a clip of, like, the ending moments of the fight, and it's... yeah. It was surprisingly similar to how he won the last one, where it's like, oh, their Pokemon lost. Oh, wait, they didn't, and then they won. There's always so many ways to the, uh, the animation skin that cat, so to speak. Like amazing. The, you know? But uh, that, that being said, it was it was a really cool moment. It, it, yeah. Who oh, animates Pokemon? Of, you know what? Oh, Who does animate Pokemon? Uh, cat logo with musketeer hat sometimes. No, that's right? that's a uh, Toei, which I think is I'm Googling it, guys. Their distributor. They definitely changed, unless they just changed the style but kept the same studio. But yeah, I mean, I OLM guess... Digital. Oh, I mean, I'm sure. What, what is what is <laughs> OLM. OLM. Gotcha. Interesting. I've never heard of Oan. Me neither. I think maybe they only do Pokemon. I mean, I would certainly keep. Oh, they definitely just don't do Pokemon. I'm looking at their list right now. Make makes sense. It's they have more than enough on their plate. Oh, that's funny. Their name is a riff on Industrial Light and Magic, which is ILM. Oh, wow. they did Odd Taxi. Oh, okay. Odd Taxi's a. They also did Yokai Watch. That's funny because Yokai Watch is being positioned by Nintendo as the next Pokemon. Looks like they've done. I don't know why I'm so surprised that they've done every single Pokemon movie, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, they they are I the like Pokemon page. house. Huh. Yeah. I thought they were also, the um, production teams right now, but that's nice to hear. I mean, they change art styles. Yeah. And Nintendo has Nintendo Pictures, so who knows what'll happen in the future? But I imagine OLM's pretty locked in. It's like their breadwinner. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Speaking of anime. Uh, yes. This is. A project now it it was weeks in the making now it's months in the making, um, <laughs> because of uh, since we haven't recorded in forever, but basically about two months ago at this point maybe about a month and a half ago at this point, uh, I asked these guys to partake in something that I thought would be really fun for all three of us, um, and if. This is and if you don't like anime, this is where you tune out. Uh, you can find us well, on not Stitcher, necessarily. Spotify, you don't need to tune out. Google Podcast. No, 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 because you got someone. You got an, a non-anime person partaking in this, so maybe I can. That's true, relate and I don't these know people. anyone that hates anime more than you. So that's kind of. I don't hate anime. So here's the thing: I need to put a disclaimer. I don't hate anime. Um, it's 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 just I just don't watch any non-comedy animated TV shows in general. I've noticed. So anime just falls under that. And it's weird. It makes no sense because, like, it's not I'm like, oh, it's kitty because, like, Nintendo is my biggest thing I'm passionate about. So it can't be a kitty issue yeah, um, by any means. Watch but, Harley um, Quinn. Yeah. What? Because you watch Harley Quinn. I do. Or I watched season one and two at least. I forgot season three even came out. But, yes, so I do slash did. But that also is somewhat comedic, right? It's part comedy. So it's something I don't watch, like, serious things that are animated, which makes no sense. But I figured out it's not an anime thing. It's an animated thing. It's just a Japan thing. So. I get you. The xenophobia. No, it's not even Japan. Like... Nintendo. You literally My biggest that passion you go to is from Japan just and it's kid-friendly. 
to put them. I got anime expo to hang out with my friends and see the Nintendo exactly. things and randomly meet Mike Shinoda. Like, despite from the anime, That's you try to like for. hold it back. You're like, oh man, well, why Weebs. do you guys have to come here every year? No, no. Like, can you guys go to a different no. convention in the summer, like SpongeBob like Comic Con, make it more American? It is fine. Anime expo is always on July Fourth for Anime Expo, which is like. That's the that's the worst demographic to have sweating. This is true. <laughs> Same with E three. It's like three weeks prior. Also super hot. Also not yeah, a very that demo. Yeah. But um, yes, anyways, project. Uh, yeah, this project. Um, basically, this anime season is pretty stacked. Um, and so what I wanted to do is have these guys watch the first episode of six series from uh this fall anime season it's three returning series and three brand new series um and i had them watch the first episode i also did this i also watched the first episode of these six uh series and then i gave them little prompts uh like which one are you most excited to see and then which one was your favorite and which one would you continue to watch and then, because I love anime openings, we're also going to rank the the, uh, the anime openings uh, from least favorite to uh, to favorite. But these are the six uh, anime in question. Oh, and of course, Angel is a big anime fan. I'm a huge anime fan. Jason isn't an anime fan, which is why I really want to do I, this. This actually, this project, I didn't I didn't tell them, but pretty much lived and died on whether Jason wanted to do it. Because I'm honored and also scared that I will not live up to your expectations of what well, I'm gonna say. You, like you just said, you just don't watch anime. So I was very yeah. interested to hear your thoughts on on this stuff, especially considering that some of this stuff, like we'll talk about it, Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War. You have no context for anything that's going on, and this is a show that yeah. was on the air ten years ago. You, you know what's frustrating about that one? They set it up. As if they were going to help me understand as a new viewer. Like, they seem to be saying up a, a story of, like, the eyes to a newbie who, like, meets the team. And I was like, oh, oh no, 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 cool. No, no. You must, and then the you second, must be well-versed in Bleach to understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah, on. that's the thing. The second the main characters are in, that guy just falls to the wayside. And it's never – I'm like, oh, cool. They're actually, like, putting it through a way I can understand. He's gone instantly. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. It's like they, they, like, put, like, a carrot at the end of the stick and then just, like, yanked it away at the last second. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Um, the six anime in question: uh, Bleach, mm-hmm. Thousand Year Blood War, uh, Blue Lock, Chainsaw Man, Mob Psycho One Hundred Three, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, which we'll sh- we can shorten to G Witch, and My Hero Academia Season Six. So the returning ones are Bleach, Mob Psycho, and My Hero, while the new ones are Blue Lock, Chainsaw Man, and Although it's from the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, uh, The Witch from Mercury is its own standalone thing. Which, as somebody who tried to get into Gundam not too long ago, their their timelines are very confusing. Um, (laughs) But anyways, going to give the description that I got. Man, these descriptions are are all over the place. Um, But I just tried to, especially for Jason's sake... Uh, which one are you most excited to see? Based on probably just the name, I probably don't think that you have one that you were like, oh, this one sounds interesting. Oh, I'm sure you so, do. So, 
That's correct uh, to a degree. I think I leaned on what I hear you guys talk about. So I know that like Mob Psycho was a big thing. I know that like Chainsaw Man was a big thing in your guys' mind. So I was like, okay, Gundam's a classic. Bleach I've heard of. Uh, My Hero Academia, I think I randomly watched one of the movies with you guys once or something. Um, I think we saw it. And Blue Lock was the odd man out. But yeah, definitely going in, I think Mob Psycho 100 and um, Chainsaw Man were the two that I'm like, okay, okay, those those have some clout. Let's see what those are about. Yeah. Yeah, so... And funny enough, when I came out, I had a totally different perspective. Yeah, so brief description for Thousand Year Blood War. This from Hulu. When the new enemy appears, substitute Soul Reaper, Ichiko Kurosaki jumps back into the battlefield with his Pakto to help those in need. Terrible, terrible description from Hulu. Just absolutely... <laughs> Says nothing. Says nothing. Hero will will step in to fight. Uh, Blue Lock, and this is where they get Lock. Uh, Japan's desire for World Cup glory leads the Japanese Football Association to launch a new rigorous training program to find the nas- the next national team's. Oh wait, to find the national team's next striker. Three hundred high school players are pitted against each other for the position, but only one will come out on top. Who among them will be the striker to usher in a new era of Japanese soccer? Uh, that undersells it. I mean, it's very accurate, we'll, but it kind of we'll undersells get, we'll get the extremes. It. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll get to it. Uh, Chainsaw yeah. Man. Denji is a young boy who works as Devil Hunter with the Chainsaw Devil, Pochita. One day, as he was living his miserable life trying to pay off the debt he inherited from his parents, he got betrayed and killed. As he was losing consciousness, he made a deal with Pochita and got resurrected as the Chainsaw Man the owner of the devil's heart. Also a terrible description. I, this is the <laughs> first time that I'm reading that one. That one's just horrible. Okay. Seems accurate though. Also, it does, but player. it says not, it doesn't really. Oh, spoilers for all of these, by the way. Well, spoilers of the first episode of each, um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Mob um, Psycho. Yeah, Mob Psycho was. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, due to my schedule, I literally did not have time to watch any of these until moments before this, so it's still kind of sinking in. Perfect. But, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, this is Mob Psycho 100. This one is tricky because this is the the description for the show, not necessarily for this third season. This season? Yeah. Uh, so this is from Country Roll. Uh, Kageyama Shigeo, a.k.a. Mob, is a boy who has trouble expressing himself, but who happens to be a powerful esper. Mob is determined to live a normal life and keeps his ESP suppressed, but when his emotions surge to a level of 100%, something terrible happens to him. As he's surrounded by false espers, evil spirits, and mysterious organizations, what will Mob think? Uh, not Not completely accurate, but I'll take it, I guess. Um... This is Gundam from Crunchyroll. An era when a multitude of corporations have entered space and built a huge economic system, a lone girl from the remote planet Mercury transfers to the, I'm not even going to try this, the (laughs) Ostacasia School of Technology run by the Barrett Group, which dominates the mobile suit industry. Her name is Suleta Mercury. With a scarlet light burning in her pure heart, this girl walks step by step through a new world. That got poetic at the end. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, same thing with My Hero. This is a description of My Hero, not necessarily season six. Um, despite being born powerless in the superpowered world, Izuku refuses to give up on the stream of becoming a hero. He enrolls himself in the prestigious Hero Academy with a deadly entrance exam. To make the grade, he'll have to put 
in some serious study time with the mightiest hero of all. Which, yeah, this description is not great for this season. Especially not great for this season. This was this was season one's description. <laughs> you barely get Midoriya in this episode at all. That's a good point. I told him, oh man, <laughs> even my hero wasn't the best. I, 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 yeah, well, yeah, we'll tell you to show up, right. but so I expect to like, watching Endgame without watching any of the Marvel shows if you just jumped into this episode. Yeah, that's a good point, especially My Hero Season 6. Yeah, you're basically yeah. you're basically watching Infinity War with My Hero Season yeah, 6. You get the spectacle, but oh, you're like, I, who are you? 100%. <laughs> I, yes, no, I, I it was the least here. welcoming for newcomers because i was saying they're like who's this like there's like dude who's a washing machine and i'm like who's this yeah. guy like i want to meet this guy and i had no idea what that was and they kept showing him they're like 55 people and like half of them i'm like who's that guy who's this black and white deadpool looking guy like the whole thing gave me a very like kind of x-men academy vibe but i was really like i want to meet i want to know who all these people are and i have zero context which made it hard to like it made it interesting, but they also kind of hard to get into like i wanted to learn more but i didn't want to commit to learning 50 people's names you know yeah so yeah. So based on based on this stuff, first prompt, which is which one were you the most excited to see? Uh, I guess we'll start with Angel for this one. Based on the prompt solely? No, based on just whatever you knew about the show. Oh, easily Chainsaw Man because of someone here. Um, I mean, I didn't some... know about. Yeah, first... me obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Blue Lock, the premise sounds interesting. Um, Gundam, I mean, yeah, none of them sounded bad per se, but like Chainsaw Man, even ju- even not just you, but also a bunch of coworkers, it just had the him. most hype going into it. No, I think he just trailed off dramatically. Oh. Angel? I Maybe we did lose Angel. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Yeah, my there recording is. is still going, Sorry, but you can't hear me. Wait, can you hear me? Hello? Um, there he is. Yes. Wow, the question is, do we rewind and redo that part, or do we just let everyone hear the crazy? Now we can. Now we can hear you. I'm sure. I'm sure on your end, we'll still oh. hear it. It's fine. No. Yeah. Like I, there was no pause on my end. It just kept going. Um, thankfully, you guys weren't talking over me. Fix so it in post, Kevin. <laughs> but yeah, I think it still works. But long story short, I guess since you didn't hear me, actually, should I even repeat it? Since everyone else heard me, eh? Whatever. We're doing it live. Um, yeah. Since <laughs> Because of you and a lot of coworkers, Chainsaw Man was very hyped up. So that was definitely the one I was anticipating the most. Um, Blue Lock, probably the next one, just because I like how anime just does like, what if soccer, but an anime? Or what if baking, but an anime? What if cooking, but an anime? But this one is like, just make it serious as heck. But I don't know. Yeah, Chainsaw Man would probably say that was the one I was most eager to watch. Nice. For better or worse. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of what I was saying earlier too. I think I got ahead of your question earlier, but I think because of hearing it hyped up from you primarily, like Chainsaw Man and like Mob Psycho were the two that I was like, okay, let's see what these are about, because there was a lot of high praise coming into coming into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, without a question, Chainsaw Man was the thing that I was most excited about, followed by uh, Mob Psycho. My Hero Academia. I've read the manga for My Hero Academia season six, so I was excited for this season uh, especially if you're all caught up this season has got pretty intense uh mobile suit gundam sounded interesting to me because of the this is the first gundam show with the female protagonist uh bleach i 
I thought could go either 50-50 and then Blue Lock. I hate sports anime and I hate soccer. So <laughs> Blue Lock was at the bottom. Well, was at that's the bottom, a glowing endorsement for, sure. for that show. Okay. Oh, yeah, disclaimer. Yeah, I guess I did have to say Mob would probably take all of these. So it's like I'm just ignoring Mob for these rankings for the most part because then it would just that just be saying the same thing. It would just be Mob. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we all watched the first episodes. Which one was mm-hmm. your favorite, Jason? Well, how do I have to rank this? In the sense of because I can tell. Right, overall, to I'll jump to the overall. No, because what? No, well, what I was gonna say is like overall. I think I'll just say overall. overall I actually think overall. it might have been Blue Lock, the soccer anime that you guys are just. I don't know. It was like the the thing I the problem with this is because I have no reference points in anime. I started making reference points to things I have watched, which is like non anime. So there's a lot of things that jumped at me. It's like, oh, this reminds me of that. And I or bet like, you I know like what Gun- you're going to talk about. Blue. What's your reference for Blue Lock? Yeah. Yeah, because I just say like Gundam, for example, like watching, I just like, man, this reminds me a lot of when I used to play Custom Robo, like the little robot fights. Like, I want to do that. That'd be fun. But Blue Lock clicked with me because it is like, as I think everyone knows, is basically Squid Game. It's, it's, so it's like Squid, Squid Game is Squid Game mixed with kind of an inverse Ted Lasso because the like in Ted Lasso, Ted is like. The absurdity surrounded by a lot of seriousness. And then here you got this really serious soccer player who just wants to do his best. And everyone around him is way more lighthearted. Like, this isn't that big of a deal. This is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? And yet they're all going through the squid game together. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's very squid game in, like, everything from, like, the outfits they need to wear to, like, the special challenges to even, like, I noticed, like, the walls and the rooms where they do the challenges. Like, the designs on the walls are very similar, even that similar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... I think that one just made because it resonated with things I've watched and enjoyed before. That one just kind of moved right up the rankings. And it also had kind of a cool – like it, it, the, the art style kind of gave me like a cool, almost like more colorful version of like Hotel Dusk on the DS if you guys remember that game. Like when they were showing like the people, like the you know shots of people's heads and stuff, it, might, it felt like a colored in Hotel Dusk. So I think it had a lot going for me Yeah. Um, in, in terms of touchstones from things I have liked in the past. Yeah, yeah. As as someone as like I say, I hate sports anime. And I hate soccer. Blue Lock out of these first episodes was absolutely my favorite as well. I wasn't ready to get Soccer Squid Game, but we got it. And the animation, yeah, also turns out to be pretty sick as well. Uh, what about yeah. you? Angel? Um, I like Mob. That was just my favorite. What was the first episode? I forgot what the the first episode was. Not much happens in the first episode. It's like the the big thing they solve is just the the shut in that it's just depressed, and then they kind of like oh that's right the that's depressed right. demon. But I mean, it, it's more it's a very biased take just because, like I said, that like is one hundred percent like my most anticipated one. It was the show that you know just really love, and it just felt like comfort food. Like I just liked. Especially, and this is something obviously that Jason wouldn't have gotten because, you know, we just came out of the second season, the way it ended. So this is kind of like the the nice calm before the storm. So you almost want, you know, not much to happen as things like start to build up. Like, oh, what is Dimple up to? Like, we didn't really see a lot of him or he's like kind of insinuating some things or like, what oh, she, is Dimple? Or Shigeru is like, you know, he's really going forward with, like, wanting to go in his own direction. And, you know, Reagan still being kind of supportive, kind of still, like, sleazy. You know, he's, he's still fun. It was just comfort food. Like, I, I just felt happy and at home while just mm-hmm. watching it. But, sure. you know, 
So that's kind of like the gimme, but you know, like to kind of ignore that one. Yeah, I would also go with Blue Lock because that just came out of nowhere. I just love how right. how serious they take it. How like I also really loved how they position like right. In the, you know, the episode starts with him losing a game to this other person that's like, oh, getting all the glory, best player in the blah blah blah. And then he's the one that ends up eliminating him and like kind of like a twisty, like, no, I can't just like eliminate a weak person. If I want to be the best, I have to eliminate the best, which mm-hmm. is really how fighting game getting good at anything works. Like you got to play against people that are better than you and it's going to suck. You're going to lose a lot of the times, but it's how you improve. That's probably the best. It, it turns the genre kind of on its head. Because sports anime are, are usually about, hey, you guys have to work together as a team to overcome the odds. While in this show, it's like, no, you have to look out for yourself. And you have to eliminate <laughs> anybody that stands in your way. Like which the is with the biggest like, ego is going to win. It's like they can Exactly. Win. Yeah. Which it's like, yeah, you have no time for friends. You, It's, it's all about yourself. Which is I... why I hate sports anime. Sports anime always end up being like, hey work as a team and you guys will will achieve greatness here it's like nope you can only achieve greatness within yourself and that's pretty much it i will say on paper mob psycho should have been my favorite Mm -hmm. um i feel like like the visuals are super fun like it felt like kind of a manga come to light like they're like some fourth wall things there's some meta stuff like there's like this there's like this randomness to it like at one point there's like a shot of like space with a ufo and i was like oh, okay but there's like this random element to it that's kind of fun and then there's like also i just gotta say it there was a ds there was a game boy there was a switch all in one episode the the beginning of the episode with the cursed like gyroid from animal crossing looking thing which i realized the gyroids are japanese cultural reference themselves but, like everything about it the meta the kind of nintendo nods the randomness the cool art stuff that on paper that list should be the thing that makes me go this is my favorite hands uh-huh. down but yeah, just I don't know, like something with, something with Blue Lock. Just sure. prior to your point, so yeah. What so is your just, it, rest of your ranking? I mean, that's just your number one. Yeah, let's let's. Are we just gonna go through our number twos and so on, or do we just gonna uh, let Jason let, finish? I think we have our number ones. We could just go in alphabetical order, or I guess yeah. we could just go by Jason's ranking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. So then, with that in mind, I feel like I gotta have myself. Yeah. Blue Lock's number one, but I think Mob Mob uh, is number two okay. for the reasons I just mentioned. Like the meta stuff. Um. Yeah. There's just a lot. There's a lot there. Does like if this didn't have Blue Lock overshadowing it, like this would be. It has all the elements of stuff you I like. Feel too um, lost it being the third season. It was a little lost. I was a little lost. I appreciated that it did start with a bit of an explainer, kind of. Um, and it did have a pretty cool trippy intro song, but yeah, it was, I was a little lost, but it, it did end in a way that set up the season in a way I could understand like, oh, he's going off into the world now. Like he's leaving his mentor behind, whatever. Like I could follow that. I don't understand. I asked you this when you were talking before, but you probably didn't hear me. I don't understand what Dimple is oh. or who Dimple, like I know, Dimple, like, like what is that? Dimple but... is a spirit that I think he fights in the third episode of the show. Yeah. And he he kept him around because he's so weak, and also because, uh, he does he just doesn't want to exercise him. Uh, so mm-hmm. they've they've gr- they've grown to become like friends, basically. Yeah, he, Mob is very okay, much like a fair. see the good in people, and it was kind of mm-hmm. like a nice little twist where you know, like Kevin said, he was like the villain of the third episode, but he pitied him, and 
just kept him alive and he just kind of hung around to become like a sidekick of sorts. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, so I put Mob at number two. I think number three, and if we want to pause and talk about that one, uh, next on my list would be Chainsaw Man, I think. Um, I thought I had some really interesting presentation choices, like the first person parts, the kind of style of the visuals. Like they had these really cool, like very stylistic. Like there's one shot I remember where it's like, this, it was like a cityscape, but it was like upside down. Like the road yeah. was upside down. Like, yeah, like there's a lot. It looked cool. Like it just had a very unique look. Um, again, I'm confused by the sidekicks. I don't know what's up with his little pet devil with a chainsaw coming out of his head. But that's, you know, something I presume either you learn before the episode or I guess if it's new entirely, you would learn it as the show goes on. Um, but yeah, it just it definitely like it stood out because it was visually really interesting. It's definitely the darkest of all the shows we watched. Absolutely. Um, so that, it it was a little slower paced, a little more gory. It kind of felt like the equivalent of like prestige television to normal television, if that makes sense. Like it was like a prestige HBO anime. Show. Yeah, exactly. Like a good a, the thing I thought of um, after watching it because I've also been watching Andor, the Star Wars show, is like if these other animes are like Obi Wan or like um, Book of Boba Fett or something like kind of like light, like hey, look at this kind of fun thing we're doing in this world. Like this Chainsaw Man is the Andor. It's like yeah, the HBO prestige, the kind of like slower probably more thematic uh in terms of like the plot points it hits and stuff like it's yeah and it's an intriguing setup um but it's definitely a slower burn than the others like not a ton happens so um you know we'll we'll, we'll see i'm sure stuff will happen but it's just like slower yeah until the end yeah um one weird thing that happened though and I only want to point out because it's funny so halfway through the episode uh crunch i guess it was crunchyroll whatever i was watching it on uh, glitched and everyone's voices turned into Animal Crossing characters for a little while and I had to like close the browser and restart but it was like you know I was like mar, 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 instead of like it was really like they went high pitch and kind of double speed oh, I don't know why that happened but it definitely killed the vibe a little but no I'd say that was third for me I mean what'd you guys you must have come in with a lot of expectation Kevin right oh yeah absolutely Chainsaw Man has been my favorite property ever since I finished the manga last year um, and so obviously go, coming into this I was I was incredibly hyped, and they didn't disappoint. That uh, that episode pretty much one for one recreates the first chapter of the of the manga, which th- they're not all that long. It just happened to be that that introductory chapter. I was super satisfied with how they how they like faithfully recreate everything, and man, the animation, Studio Mappa, yeah, just production values were it was <laughs> insane. Like, it's noticeable, yeah. Yeah, even like compared to the other enemy, like Mob definitely has its more simplistic look going for it. But you know, it definitely helps with the animation side. But yeah, and it works one, in its favor. No, this one didn't seem to kind of let its hype, its more detailed characters like let it get in a way. Just like yeah, you could tell this was like an expensive show to make. And you know, there, there was obviously some obvious CG there. There were some buildings that looked a little weird when they were doing mm-hmm. that driving scene at night. But overall, it's like, huh, this could have been like a, almost like an anime movie. Like, it's almost reaching that quality. But, yeah. and that's something that I hope mm-hmm. you picked. I mean, I'm sure you've always noticed this, Jason, in general, that anime in general tends to be way, like, the, just the drawings, just the, Im- the it, images and the visuals, they tend to be way more detailed and just more involved than almost any American show I could think of. Oh, but, absolutely. But, you know, because I was watching these at the same time I was watching Bob's Burgers, and it's night and day the amount of day. Like, Bob's Burgers is so simple in animation. 
Yeah, but something yeah. like Chainsaw Man was so intricate. Well, yeah, well, it's that's, immediate. That's the thing, but, for sure. But you get the trade-off of more limited animation. Like when they're not in the middle of an action scene, yes. characters will move as little as possible. Where in Bob's Burgers, you know, they bounce, they dance, they have follow So like the animation, there is more animation basically. But you know, it, it's a trade-off. It's literally what yeah that Japan and America like flip-flopped on. I was just gonna say that like Adventure Time, that static shot thing you're pointing like, out. Yeah. Yeah, no, My Hero Academia is where I noticed that most, especially when they were showing, like, the 55 oh, different, God, like, yeah. Washing Machine Man and stuff. Like, there were so many stack shots. Like, just, like, here's a hero. Here's another. Did here's another. Here's movies. another. Here's another. <laughs> yeah, it was, and they were all completely static. Yeah, it immediately jumped out at me. Yeah, but when they have the action, because, you know, that's what they're saving their budget for. And it's like, whoa, it's like things are moving, things are exploding. It's, like, crazy. But, yeah, and, and that I know is not always people's cup of tea. But, yeah, I... I guess is that has it ever been like a deterrent for you, or is? I mean, it wasn't in the Pokemon days. That's true. So I don't think I don't think that would hold I me think up. It was, it was noticeable, other like any yeah, people definitely and, noticed. Like it was only their metal they're moving, but yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. But it's fine. Cool. Yeah, it's not a big deterrent. But yeah. So Man, after that, cool. I, I, yeah, I Chainsaw that. and Chainsaw Man is on its fifth episode. On its fifth episode, and. Uh, all I'll say is that episode three and episode four have pretty awesome fight scenes. Oh, that was my fourth, by the way. But yeah, that's your fourth. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That was my that was my second. Mob Psycho was was my third. Yeah, Blue Lock Blue being Lock. number first, number one. Yeah. All right. I think once once I get through this list and we talk about them all, you guys just from top to bottom say your list because it's gonna get very muddy. Yeah, for sure. My fourth, my second, yeah, my eighth. I think we'll just say yeah. yeah. Well, we'll use your list as a discussion as the, of each as the conversation starter. Yeah. 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 I'm the icebreaker for each show, and then you guys can rank yours at the end All or right, something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, now I'm going to throw a curveball because I rank – I'm looking at my rankings, and Bleach and Gundam are about equal to me. Okay. Um, let me explain why, I think. Because it's interesting because both to me were a little, like, tropey anime in concept. But one I thought excelled visually, and one I thought excelled – with its music and randomly sound design. Like, I thought Gundam had a lot of cool music mm-hmm. and did some cool stuff with the robot noise. Like, it sounds so like, with the robot noise. But, like, it, audio of Gundam really was really cool. The visual of Bleach was really cool. Like, um, some shots were almost, like, photorealistic. And they had those really slick um, title reveals cards of the characters. characters. Yeah, in almost, like, a <laughs> persona type of way. And, like, the intro, yeah. too, has kind of that persona vibe. Um, but like the story itself seems pretty prototypical. Tr- I want to say tropey, but kind of tropey anime. No, it it, it, um, it absolutely is. And I'll explain. Yeah, I'll explain a little bit. But keep going. Yeah, so that that's why Bleach is that on the visual side, and then Gundam. Like I said, the audio is really good, but then on the story side, it also was a little. I mean, it had kind yeah. of a whole like fish out of water in this world you know so well thing, which a million yeah. things have done anime and not. Um, there was that weird marriage subplot, which was kind of a curveball out of nowhere. But for the most part, it was very like tropey as well, just in a different direction. So that's why I put them probably about equal in my mind. Okay, for sure. Uh, what about you, Angel? Um, yeah, they were well. I guess they're both at the bottom of my list, not because they were bad in any way, but you know, something had to be on the bottom. Um, yeah. I did not know I had to watch had to skip episode zero. So when I watched that, yeah, I was the, like, the the Witch from Mercury prologue makes episode one really confusing to the point where i i watched the first episode of g witch and i 
just was like, wait, 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 did I miss something in the prologue? And I went to go watch the prologue again, and I, it confused me even further. Yeah. Yeah, because there's literally nothing in the prologue that is sort yeah, of relevant to, to the from first there. episode. Yeah, like, I'm sure I'll play. I, well, yeah, I guess you see, like, an older version, a much older version of someone that appeared there, but, you know, it, it didn't really matter. Like, it might be something that plays into, like, many, many episodes later, but since I saw that prologue, I was like, I thought since that, I was judging it based on that initially. I, I really liked that prologue. I thought it was really cool. Oh, the prologue is, um, yeah, the prologue has, is, is very, very cool. And in a way, I guess like jumping to the future since I saw it in that order, um, when I got to that first episode, I was like, like, oh, cool. So I guess she, the little, cause you know, you see her as a four year old, like, you know, they get raided. It was kind of a sad prologue. It's like, damn, like I didn't, pull any punches from the beginning like production values are great but then you know it just kind of gets into what it, it almost feels like a slice of life with robots slice and, of life yeah and you know which there's nothing wrong but it it didn't get it wasn't like it didn't present you like the high stakes I don't know I, I wasn't it wasn't as intriguing as it was in the prime it's just a different show yeah which you know it could still turn into that but you know it, it was fine like I don't know if I'll continue watching it but I I enjoyed my time with it. I thought the main character was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a couple of shows with like overly shy characters, but this is probably the most shy character I've ever seen in the show. Like Jesus. Um, yeah. But which, which you know, will make their <laughs> character growth that much more interesting when they do eventually get out of that. And Bleach. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if I watched the first couple seasons of Bleach many years ago, but I don't know if it really helped that much. Yeah, I guess it kind of did, uh, sort of. All I mean, all I really did was like, oh, I recognize that guy. I recognize that girl. I mm-hmm. kind of recognize this captain. Wait, why do they care that Hollow are missing really fast? I thought they were the bad guys. And then you know, just hearing like some key terms like Zampakto, like I remember that, but I don't remember what that is. And then they did it like, oh, that's what that was, or him saying Bankai. Yeah, but but it was cool. The action, I don't remember if it was always this cool looking but it was it, it absolutely was, cool. was not yeah um <laughs> it absolutely you you try to rewatch bleach okay well bleach thousand year blood war it's a returning show but it's in this interesting spot where the show actually got canceled 10 years ago um mainly because if you watch the original bleach like anime series i think about 45 percent of it is filler um, and that killed a lot of interest for a lot of viewers. Um, so the show got canceled right when the manga was was starting its final arc, which is this Thousand Year Blood War. So this is adapting that final arc that never got adapted back in 2012, I think, is when it got canceled, or 2013, one of those two years. Damn. Yeah, so it's been 10 years since the anime series ended. And the production value from not not only has production value in anime changed since then, but they absolutely went above and beyond because this looks nothing like the Bleach from 2012. Um, the animation is much more is is much nicer. Is like it's so much more nicer. Um, the character models have like this nice shade on them that they didn't have back then. Yeah, everything's uh, definitely flatter. Yeah. Did did um 
did the hollows always look like predator heads slapped on massive spiders, or did they give those a bit of a design overhaul too? The, that, the hollows struck out. The hollows looked very, very generic back in the day. Like okay, I think yeah, the cause... first hollow that you see is like just this black pillar with a mask on. And now they look like animals. Oh, yeah. I know those. Yeah. I didn't realize that's what they were from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So th- those were the hollows. And yeah, Bleach, they, they really stepped up their game. Uh, Gundam Gundam was in this is in this weird spot because Gundam has always been a show about war is bad, capitalism bad. And with this series, it looks like, oh, you're following girls in school. So I'm sure at some point it will evolve into that. But yeah, I guess that the, the prologue definitely definitely reflects upon Gundam's general themes, um, of like war and and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it definitely seems more like a slice of life. And the reason that this is just like you said, Jason, it feels tropey mm-hmm. in a way, but it's actually mm-hmm. not as tropey for Gundam because there's never been a Gundam that's been sent to school. Or with which the, is ironic, protagonist for that matter. Which makes it ironic that it was so trophy of me because I'm coming in with so little experience in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. so that I'm just so looking at gu- like this so is just generic. Itself, and it's actually it's not very trophy, not. but just in the general <laughs> right. scheme of anime, yeah, pretty trophy. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think with that, it just leaves one anime, which yeah. is My Hero Academia. So Correct, which isn't necessarily a knock against it. It's just it's the one that you come in. We kind of talked about this already, but it's the one that there's like. You have the least idea what's going on if you don't know what's going on. Um, it's It certainly was the most one-to-one with some Western content I watched because, like I said earlier, it kind of reminded me of, like, X-Men. Like, they're all at the Academy together. You know, they're all in there's like, thing together. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not an Academy, but it has kind of that vibe. And there is some cool stuff in there. Like, I thought the um, – I don't know what those black-and-white Deadpool-looking guys are, but there's some cool shots where they're, like, doing – like there's like a camera sweeping through them at one point and that was kind of, but for the most part, it's like a lot of not knowing what's going on, a relatively anime, like generic anime look to it. So it just like didn't resonate with me because I was a little lost and it didn't have any other like sensory things to sort of catch my attention with. Yeah. Angel. Yeah, this one was my third, but it's basically for the opposite reason that Jason described. And it's funny because as I was watching the show, I totally get thinking like, oh my god, like they keep like jumping to different characters that we've had uh-huh. many seasons just to like get the backstories, like the significance of why they even showed the family of you know, um, I'll just call him the fire dude for Jason's reference, the guy with the fiery hair. He was even though he was like very Yeah, the the, the rejected Mega Man enemy. Yes. <laughs> Fireman. Yeah, because <laughs> he's, like, he's like the number yes. one hero right now. You know, they barely showed the main character, but like this is like this episode was essentially, or at least it felt like, oh, they're just starting the beginnings of what feels like this next big fight that was like leading, that a lot of things were leading up to. So I feel like it was like watching Endgame without any of the Marvel movies. Oh, a hundred percent. I it absolutely halfway was the through it war of my so, hero. Halfway through it, I a hundred percent had the thought of, man, this must be what Angel feels like whenever we drag into a Marvel thing. <laughs> Because, like, it's so, there's so much just not known. or so many little pieces not known. Yeah. But, yeah, like, and even, like, you know, the, the sequence with the Deadpool guy and the guy with the wings. Like, I'm sure maybe you caught that mm-hmm. he's, like, supposed to be, like, a, like, a double agent. He's actually a good guy pretending to be a bad guy. Or maybe that was 
not made clear. I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember if I caught that. I don't know. I don't know if I caught that. <laughs> but but yeah, like but that's something that's been like you know ongoing for a while now. He's just been working his way through the organization, and and I thought like oh I didn't even think they were gonna get to like any fighting, but then the end was just kind of like you know a like well anything that can go wrong is going crazy. But like oh wait they like one they want to. They reversed Uno to each other. Like, oh, you thought you got Dr. Eggman? Oh, well, we actually have someone already on their way to the real Dr. Eggman and whatnot. But it was cool. I, It was like a nice reminder of like, oh, man, I remember where we left off now. I can't wait to watch more. I can't wait to see where the other, the defense or the backup units are going to be doing or who's going to die. Because some, I feel like some, someone has to die in this battle. But Speaking we'll of I'm sure not reverse Kevin Uno, but speaking of... Uh, yeah, I already know what happens at the end of this this arc, and uh, I just it's say, absolutely the of... darkest that my hero has ever gotten. So I'll just say that. Yeah. Yep. I I just say speaking of like endings that kind of swerve where you don't expect. What was going on in Bleach? You're like, we're taking away his power. Oh, just kidding. No, we're not. It's too powerful. That's because like, that's how okay. based Ichigo <laughs> is. All right, fair, fair. I just like, oh, the whole arc is gonna be he loses parents get back, like Samus and Metroid or something, and then they're like, nah, he still has it. Yeah, okay. like the, 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 <laughs> I don't know how much it. I'm guessing it, some of it applies here, but like you know, they've made a mention to like a substitute Reaper, um, because that's what Ichigo is. And I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with the premise that our William ever mentioned it, which was an old woman of ours that was really into the show. Basically, Ichigo was your average high schooler when Thor Reaper was fighting a hollow by his house in that town. But then that ho- but then that Thor Reaper gets like really injured and they have no choice but to like, hey, Mr. Ichigo, high school kid, you for some reason are able to see these hollow. That's not normal. Maybe you can help me. So he becomes like, I see. Okay. So he becomes like a substitute yeah. Reaper and, you know, adventures later, turns out, you know, legal trouble, there's like a whole case and I guess. Wait, did you say legal trouble? I would not have guessed legal trouble was going to be the thing that stopped I, 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 the guy that's fighting the souls. I mean, I, I'm sure, Mom. <laughs> there was this whole thing where, like, the Rukia, the Reaper that gave him the power to be a substitute Reaper, oh, yeah, I guess she was, was on put trial. on trial for something. I think they were going to execute her. But long yep. story short, Ichigo oh, keeps, like, leveling up, discovering new powers, like, you know, their Dragon Ball status, where I they see. just keep finding new ways to, like, go beyond the limits. Like, oh, man. Right, our right. friendship and all yeah. that, and and those people he that appeared alongside him, like they were just his high school buddies. But I want to say it was because he was just like emanating this aura of power that they all gained superpowers. Like the dude with the arms just gained powerful arms. That woman there just gained the power of healing and shields or something. And I don't know who that dude with the glasses was with the gun. He oh, he's power. a he's a Quincy. Oh, what? A Quincy. A Quincy. Does that, yeah, does that mean something? <laughs> oh, I, I, guess he, I guess he made an archer friend at some point. Yeah, the the guy with glasses. Where oh, wait, was he always there? Yeah, he's always been huh. a Quincy. Yeah, he's always been. Yeah. I guess I just forgot about him. Yeah, I recognize the... Uh, Welcome to my world, team. Angel, where nothing, where you know nothing. No, yeah, or you... Or <laughs> where you, you go in knowing nothing. Yeah, or you used to hate Ichigo. And then, don't you remember, he, oh. challenged, he challenged Ichigo to see who can kill the most hollows. So like you summon like a hundred of them. It's barely ringing the bell. I was just really hoping I'd catch a glimpse of the cockatiel with the there's like a little cockatiel in a cage at some point. But I don't even know if that was part of a filler or if that was just like a main character's pet. So do, does that angel make Bleach your number one then? No, like because it, no, no it, it didn't come out. It didn't come out. Oh, so it's number it's bomb of list for you. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but 
but it was interesting like i don't know if i'll re i feel like i can't continue watching this unless i rewatch some kind of comprehensive video summary to like get really more into it because you know there's obviously some significance to that villain that you know had a weapon from some person that he recognized and the mask of those skeleton people he fought at one point but yeah i mean i guess that's definitely where i felt i'm sure like jason and my hero academia or half of these returning ones but yeah yeah what about you did it live up to it sounded like it lived up to expectations mostly sort of what did bleach bleach oh yeah absolutely that was that's... And what about my hero? I don't think you touched on how you felt oh, yeah. about my uh, hero. Yet. My hero. It's funny because my hero season five, I think, was its weakest season. Um, mm-hmm. to the point where Angel didn't even remember what was going, what happened. Right? Who or who was I talking to? Yeah, I was talking to you. Yeah, about... it was me because I was like, I was trying to describe to you like what I thought we had what just happened. Left you're like, oh wait, that was a different five, season. And I said, I said, yep, that's not even close to being the the same season. <laughs> that's how. That's how. And I think. I think that's how a lot of the internet felt. My Hero Season 5 wasn't... It wasn't the best season. Yeah, and so My Hero Season 6, I already know going into the season what's going to happen. And like I already said, it's it's going to be My my Hero's Darkest Season and it's going to be its most intense season so far. And uh, it only ramps up from here, which is what's really cool. Um, that being said, I didn't think the first episode was that fun. Uh, except for the very end with uh, Mirko, the uh, the rabbit hero. The there's a shot where she's going through a hallway that looks really really cool as like the the Nomu are popping out of like the walls, and so she's really really awesome. And I'm caught up to all of these anime with the exception of one, which will tie into our next question. Um. But my hero. Well, you guys need a rank. You guys need a rank one to six. Yours. Yeah. Still. In in terms of yeah. in terms of like my favorite, as far as these first episodes go, mm-hmm. uh, it's easy. It's it's Blue Lock for me, followed by Chainsaw Man, followed by Bleach, followed by Mob Psycho, then My Hero, and then Gundam. Mob Psycho is my Psycho is my fourth only because not a lot of happened in that episode. But like Angel said, it, it, it was it was yeah. like a it was like nice comfort food. Yeah, for me it was Mob, Blue Lock, My Hero, Chainsaw Man, Gundam Episode Zero, Gundam Episode One, and then <laughs> 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 All right, cool. Uh, next question is: Which one would you continue to watch? Blue lock, um, blue lock. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that really stuck with me more than anything else. Yeah. Nice. Is there one that you, after seeing the first episode, that you don't think that you'd continue watching? Me? Yeah. I think by, I think considering I'm only continuing blue lock, that might. So you would just question. drop everything else. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to check back in with you or when the season's done the for things like Chainsaw Man, I think. And maybe for Mob Psycho because it ha- hits a lot of like the the check boxes. Watch it from the beginning. It could be something you watch with with the cats. Mob, watch it. Yeah, watch it with cats. Angel. I watched I watched Mob yeah, Psycho season one idea. and season two with uh, with Elvis. And it's actually not bad. One of my yeah. favorite yeah. animes. It's such a fun yeah. show to watch. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I think Gundam and Bleach happen. are the ones that are going to fall to the wayside most quickly for me. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. What about I've you, been, Angel? I've been wanting to Aside rewatch it Bob. anyway, so so that works. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to continue watching Blue Lock. Obviously, my hero. Oh. I mean, um, regardless of, you know, we're six seasons in. I'm not going to stop watching it now unless it get really full yeah. on its face. Um, definitely Chainsaw Man. Uh, I don't know about Gundam. It's like I'm kind of torn. There's like, I literally have a list of other shows I need to watch, so I might just throw it on that list if I just need other anime. Once I run out of anime that I higher on priority mm-hmm. to watch, like even just to give you an idea in case you've seen any of these. Oh my god, there's so many here. Like I still need to watch more of Kaguya-sama because I haven't finished that, which mm-hmm. I know you really like. Um, oh, gotcha. I need to finish um, Spy Family, which I randomly saw like an episode. Or, no, I randomly saw like the first season one night a couple of months ago, and I really liked it. But then there's I can also... I assume with that name that's just an anime Spy Kids? No. 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 It's well, much more fun. I assume that. incorrectly. Yeah, it's a much yeah, it's a much better premise. <laughs> it's a very wholesome um, show, which I, I was debating putting so on So Spy here, Kids. But, uh, Pretty wholesome. It would have uh, been a weird fit in these six shows. Spy Family is also a very, a very good anime. Yeah, I uh, recently funny. watched Spy it's, Kids one and two, and I they oh. do not hold up. <laughs> I could I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah, no, we wa- we watched it knowing it'd be bad, and ooh. yeah, if you still have like Crunchyroll subscription, I don't know what you did, or maybe it's just free. I was just watching the first episode of Spy Family, but I, but they for some of them they just let me watch without a subscription yeah there's a there's a few show that you can watch without a Blue subscription Lock. and then like the yeah if you want to wa- catch the newest episode you will have to have a subscription for that oh that's clever mm-hmm. cook you and then make you pay mm-hmm. yeah and of course mm-hmm. ranking of Smart. kings which i only started like i saw like the first two oh, episodes and i was ranking hooked. Of kings is so but good then I, but then i couldn't i just didn't have time to finish it I just got busy but that's one i've ranking been really looking forward to finishing so, so good Literally had me tears and tears by the second episode. Oh yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. That that show's gonna make you cry, for sure. Mm-hmm. And Made in Abyss, which I've also heard a lot about, but I haven't. Watched. I've heard a lot about Made in Abyss, but I haven't watched. I've also heard a lot about To Your Eternity, but mm. don't really care that much. Oh yeah, crap! New episode of My Hero is out today. Okay, can't wait to see that. <laughs> um. All right, and on to oh, as far as me, the the one that I haven't caught up is uh. Uh, Gundam. I just, I dropped it. I think like, as of episode two. Uh, I'm sure at some point I'll get back to it. Um, but yeah, it, it was funny because I was actually really excited for this season. Uh, because I thought the premise, I thought the the title is so good, the witch from Mercury. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that the the witch just happens to be the main character. Just that's just like people just call her just the witch from Mercury. It, has no significance to the actual plot <laughs> like magic um, and science interesting yeah so i don't know i don't know it's uh apparently it's not doing so hot in japan which is weird because they love their gundam over there they, they love the gunpla yeah. um wow. and then I and guess so we this have... this is uh now the final category which is the category that is most near and dear to my heart, um, which is ranking the openings. Now, Angel, 
you know I love me a good anime opening. Oh yeah, some animes you, have you. Some you love anime, yourself I, a good anime opening. I love how there's like animes that we are either just like not a big fan of or just don't care about, but like their openings are like, oh man, yeah, I'll still listen to that. Their openings are amazing. There, are, there have been anime that I watched just because the the openings were so fire. <laughs> can I? Yeah. Can I? Let me explain to you one one anime that I watched because the anime was so good. The the opening was so good. It's which one? It's called Domestic Girlfriend. Okay. Heard of and it's probably it's probably the trashiest anime that you'll ever watch in your life. So you you follow main character. He, I think he's like fifteen or sixteen, right? He's uh-huh. in love with his English teacher. His English teacher is oh. on the younger side. She's about twenty four years old, something like that, oh, right? Okay. And he's just, and he's, he's, like, he's but so what? much older than him. Uh, well, I think I think there's like a six year age difference. He's sixteen in high school, and she's twenty four. Hmm. Gotcha. But but or she might be a little bit young. She might be twenty two. I don't know. Point being, he's in love with her, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever. Then he hooks up with some other girl, right? He go. He goes. Yeah. He goes to town. He goes to town on her. Then he finds out that his that his uh, dad is remarrying this woman, right? Oh, thinking I was really and, and then you are introduced to the mother, and the mother's like, "Hi, I I'm going to be your new mom, and me and my two daughters are going to move in." And who are are the two daughters? Oh my god, is it the English teacher and the other girl? It's the English teacher and the girl he hooked up with. Oh my god. I only watched that trash fire of an anime because the opening is so good. You have to watch this anime. Domestic, everybody How? has to watch this anime. Domestic Girlfriend. It's 12 episodes long. And does it actually have an ending or is it one of those? It, it, actually, has an, it actually has an ending. Huh. Damn. Yeah. Well. Just to show you the power of that, it shows you the, it shows you the power of anime of anime openings. God, what a terrible show that is! But it's so much fun. Oh, it's disgusting. I love it. All right, let's get into let's get into ranking these openings. Um, who do we start with? Who wants to start? Jason. Still not here. Angel. All right, I'll start. So yeah, definitely mob. Um. I mean, we already had more than enough time to, like, hear that song because of Anime Expo when they, like, revealed it. But, you know, it's been it's been on my Spotify. I've been listening to it once in a while. All the intros from Mob have been great, and this one is no different. Yeah, like, one visually, by it's Mob great. Like, visually, it's great. The vocals are great. The beat is fast and, I don't know, energetic, just how you would like it in a Mob. In the Mob, but it also has, like, this undertone to it that makes it feel a little more like I guess serious, a little more epic but also probably yeah yeah, so, um, yeah Mob Psycho was my favorite opening for this it's uh, also season. my favorite it's your favorite although I have returned boom boom Mob Psycho takes on? it yeah Mob Psycho's oh. like Angel stated Mob Psycho's openings are always awesome I think this might be my favorite Mob Psycho opening but I know a lot of people really love that first one it's probably my least favorite one it's been sequential for me. Like, I love the first one. Then when the second one came out, I'm like, oh, man, they just, like, it's, like, the first one, but better. And then I like the third one. It's, like, they just keep The second one is so better. The second one, when mm-hmm. it hits that chorus and then you, the, that little fight scene happens, oh, so good. But, yeah, I think Mob Psycho 3's opening is probably my favorite one. 
mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, let's go on to our number twos. Jason, we'll start with you this time. Oh man, I need to give this some thought. Uh, I'm going Did through my notes here because I wrote. I did, and I can't. Um, come back to me because I can't find. I didn't put the intros in their own list. So I'm going through all show by show trying to remember. All right, my my second favorite was a uh, Chainsaw Man. Uh, the song is good. The animation's good. The opening has a lot, a lot of movie references. Yeah, um, I saw some Big Lebowski there. With the Big Lebowski. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. There's a, so Chainsaw Man. The I mean, Chainsaw I saw... Man is the ska sounding one, right? I'm sorry. Kinda sound kind of sound like a ska song. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, I think that's my number two as well. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... yeah there was because a... it just stood out. It was different. It wasn't just generic kind of rock. Mm-hmm. It actually sounded unique. Yeah. I remember seeing the. It was like a side by side of all the scenes that we're referencing and it almost felt like it was like practically the whole thing was just referencing movies which made me go like yeah that's cool like you know film appreciation from the creators but it ends up not really telling you a lot about the show um which i think is a good thing it doesn't it doesn't spoil anything a lot yeah, of anime yeah. things tend to spoil what it, what's going oh, to happen yeah uh, when you're this is definitely a a problem especially with shonen shows like my hero mm-hmm. where you literally see like oh these are the main villains of the arc oh i haven't met these characters yet but literally if they're not in the intro then the intro it pretty much gives you a summary you could almost like catch up on a show you watched a long time ago just by watching the intros like i think i did yeah. that once like for naruto when it i took like a long break before i went back into it and i just watched the intro then i'm like oh yeah i know exactly where i'm at now thank you intros mm-hmm. yeah and so chainsaw man is is great because it, it doesn't really spoil anything. You see some of the you see one big villain, but like for a split second. Um and aside from that, like I said, yeah, the tons of movie references. They were friends, uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre because they have to in like those first ten seconds. They do a big no where we said Big Lebowski. What's the other one? Uh Reservoir Dogs. There's yeah. a reference to that in there. There's strangely enough, there's a uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood reference in there? Yeah, I thought that's what that was. Yeah. And I was like, nah, it can't be. That's so like weirdly specific and modern compared to the other ones. Yeah, there's a Constantine reference in there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool references because the the manga mangaka, I think is when you do the story and the art. He's mm-hmm. a huge movie buff. Um and that's also why that first episode had a, like a lot of like stylistic uh scenes in it, like that upside down uh shot of the city. <laughs> yeah like a little bit of Raimi influence in there a lot of Tarantino as well um yeah Chainsaw Man's second opening is really really cool and all, also done by the same guy who did the tournament arcs opening for My Hero back in season 2 huh which a lot of people really like that one alright on to yeah, our number 3 a lot of good openings yeah um... all, I think all of these are, are with the exception of one uh I think they're all oh, great yeah. um I know what you're, uh, what you're talking about. I don't know. Um, I, I may throw you for a curveball. <laughs> one thing I'll say about Chainsaw Man, um, that one was my fourth. Okay. But just because, I don't remember, I mean, well, I, I guess it just didn't have as big, I mean, like I said, like I watched all these kind of back to back, so I'm kind of going by like which ones left like the biggest impression on me, just mm-hmm. like almost right away. But I will say though that, I don't know which outro it is, but someone from work like shared an outro from chase on man 
or one of the outros that oh my god that was an animated trip it's like oh they pretty it was much ending like... it was ending three every episode has a different ending and what? yep every episode oh has god. a different ending and Damn, really? I, the that... one that you're thinking of is ending three i can already tell it's uh i forgot what yeah, the name I, of it that must have yeah. been a nightmare to animate but it just looks so amazing like damn like yeah it, wow that, that could have been an intro but um, oh yeah it could have absolutely been the, the the show's intro but yeah my number two yeah blue lock yeah that one was my number two just visually i just... thought blue lock was kind of generic i put it pretty no, far down on blue mine. lock is my third interesting yeah Actually, to be fair, I thought a lot of these were kind of generic. They kind of blurred. Like, I put Bleach as my third just because it popped. Like, it really, like, visually, all that pink, it popped. Uh I just really like Uh, the energy from it. I mean, generic, yeah. I mean, to be clear, like, yeah, someone, generic isn't always... Nothing not generic, to be clear, yeah. 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 But sometimes I like generic. Sometimes I just like my my high energy, show the character shots. I mean, the most anime, anime one, almost felt like the, the Gundam one, which is probably why I put it very low, but... Blue Lock, I put so, low too. Mm-hmm. Blue Lock kind of had like a nice mix of it for my taste. And just because I remembered right now, when it makes sense, and I use that term loosely, when characters have pointy teeth, like in My Hero, it's like, oh, they're like, their ability is like being some kind of monster thing that has sharp teeth. But when a regular yeah. person just has sharp teeth, I don't know. I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't like that. Like there's one character in Blue Lock, just a regular soccer player that has like pointy teeth. It's like, why do you have pointy teeth? Did you like sharpen them? And there's someone else in Chainsaw Man that has that. I was oh, Denji, the main character. Intro. Oh, yeah, the, the main character. character has, and I'm like, yeah, Denji has pointy and, and teeth. I'm, I'm like, why do you have pointy teeth? I don't know. It, because it, no well, one's never been to a like, dentist, okay? He was, he was, he was born. Yeah, but, 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 the, but you have like perfect sharp teeth. Like, I mean, it looks cool, but I don't know. It, it's weird. It's one of the yeah. few things that I, I overthink when I tip when I tend to be good about like suspension of disbelief. But especially in the soccer one. I think it stood out more in the soccer one than in Chainsaw Man. Especially after he gets the Chainsaw Man abilities. But the fact they had him beforehand is made it seem like they didn't show his teeth when he was a kid. They did a good job of like not opening his mouth. Maybe they do later. But it just made me think like did he yeah, did he sharpen those teeth? Because I know some people in real life do do that. That's <laughs> it's kinda rare, but I mean, I've seen it, and I guess it's, it's a thing, but I guess I'm just not quite used to it yet. It just makes me imagine them going to, like, the bathroom or something, just, like, getting a file and sharpening their teeth or something. Yeah. For reasons. But, yeah, Blue Lock. Blue yeah, Lock. I I, I, yeah, Blue Lock and My Hero kind of <laughs> put them next to each other because they kind of gave me that same vibey energy. Interesting. But. Yeah. My Hero, I also consider, I guess for the same reason, kind of low. Like well, what, what's your third? Yeah. What's your third? Mine? Yeah. Um, I think... Oh, I, I think I already said it. it was uh, Bleach. Okay, Bleach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bleach was my second to least favorite. Um, so... I, I think it was more visual for me, honestly, which is not a good thing when we're talking about intro songs, but just something about, like, the... Oh, well, the well an anime opening has to consist of, like, not only both. good visuals, but... Yeah, like, yeah, 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 which well. is why I think it was so high for me. It, I was saying to you before we, record, we started recording, it felt kind of, like, had kind of a pop-punk vibe. Yeah. Which was kind of, yeah, kind of cool. Um, the reason that it's so low for me, and this kind of meta, is because, as I stated, I love anime openings. I think Bleach has some of the best anime openings for like long running series and when you put this in the rotation of songs 
maybe it's because I've been listening to those openings for like 10 mm-hmm. years now, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't mesh well with the rest of them. Which is very, that very makes odd sense. To me. That makes sense. Um, because it's almost like those openings from the original series are sort of of its time, and this one's a little just the song is a little too modern. Um, I get that, that yeah, because I'm listening to it in a vacuum essentially. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yeah, this is cool, but for you, yeah, the context changes everything. Yeah. Totally so, that. so in terms of the, it's still a very good opening. Don't get me wrong, but just in context right. with the other 15 openings, yeah, it's. It's probably ranks low there, or pro- probably mid to like mid low, in terms of those uh, sixteen openings now. Yeah. Um. So that was your that was your fourth, third. That was your third. third. Okay. Well, Honestly, the the bottom three are a wash for me. So you guys tell me yours. <laughs> okay. I already said my whole ranking at this point. It was just Mob, Blue Lock, and My Hero are pretty much on the same thing. Chainsaw Man, then Gundam, one. And then Bleach. Yeah, Gundam is my fourth favorite. Uh, mainly because of the song. Uh, I, re- I really like the song. I really like the yeah. little techno, techno like that the they put in one. there. Uh, plus, I think this is the only opening that has a female uh, artist. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, it is. That's out, of, out of all, all six of these? Yeah, out of all six. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. I, I, I really like the song. The visuals are kind of meh. Um, it is what it is. Bleach, like I said, fifth in there because of just the context, kind of drags it down. I, my least favorite is my hero's opening. Um, it's weak. It's it's very <laughs> weak. My hero had like a string of seven really awesome openings, and the last four openings have just fell flat for me. I think the song the- sucks. I think the vi- the first half of the opening where it has like this comic book art style to it it looks it does look really cool but after the chorus they just switch over to regular animation and it just doesn't hit as as hard as that first half yeah the thing that gets me about my hero especially compared to the other because you know i'm giving the new shows a little slack because they're new but the thing that struck me about my hero academia is like compared to the other two returning shows it didn't have like the production flourishes in the song it's just very just like well, that first half the where, where it has like that count, that comic book vibe. Yeah, yeah, it has that. You're right, you're right. But I mean, it didn't have the same like I don't know. It almost felt like lower budget than the other two. Oh, intros, sure, absolutely. Like I said, yeah, my yeah. hero. I forgot what's the angel. I think probably the one that gets the most love is the opening with the yakuza arc. That hideout arc. Mm. Remember that? That opening is yeah. awesome. Um. Not only that, season three also had a really awesome opening. The I keep my ideals opening. Um, my hero had really awesome too. openings, and then season season four had a really bad opening, and then season five both were boring as hell, and then this <laughs> one just continues the streak of mediocre my hero opening. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, the next opening will will pick it up. Every season has two openings, so hopefully the next one's better. But man, I have no faith in the openings for the show anymore. Considering yeah. the subject matter of the, of the of this season, it's kind of kind of weak. But I guess as far as it just like openings in general, though, especially with these, because we had to rank them, like none of them, with the exception of Mob, were like 
an instant like you know yeah animation aside like i love this song like let me add it to my constant rotation because i know i did that for almost every attack on titan song even like the later ones or you know and i know you as well kevin for the demon slayer ones like you hear oh, the yeah. song demon and then you're Slayers like, like awesome. damn like you know they just really stick with you and i'm honestly having a hard time even i literally saw some of these like right before we recorded and i can't remember much about them except for mob psycho yeah mob psycho and that one yeah, I'm, I'm right there and i haven't you. even seen that one as many yeah. times as like i would have liked to by now just because i've been busy but you know it's really hard to forget that specific visual style because it was kind of it almost kept it simple but just by being so like abstract but it was easy to keep up with i don't know like the i uh like the movie references were great but there's just a lot going on like if oh, i yeah, try to just absolutely. like if i'm just if i'm just like remembering it or just trying to reminisce about it it just feels like a jumble of characters like doing random stuff like oh they're in a car they're now on a table now they're bowling mm-hmm. like you know nothing nothing bad with it of course but you know just the memorability of it i guess to, to the exact point, Angel, I, I did letter grade rankings for all the intros, and the only one that got an A was Mob Psycho. Everything else was, like, ranged. Yeah, Mob Psycho's opening is... And I didn't want to be mean, so I did nothing below B-, minus, but everything's, like, B to <laughs> wow. B-, minus, and then Mob is, like, A. And I know no one else would see this list, but I felt bad, because they're not bad. They're just not Yeah, they're not. Stand uh, my yeah, hero exactly. I, my hero, I think, is not good. That That's my lowest. That's B-. minus. Gotcha. Everything else was, like, Bs and B pluses. yeah. Gundam, I think, was a B. Yeah, Gun- so. yeah, Gundam's was was solid. Yeah, uh, same with Angel. I don't think I put any of these songs on my like anime opening playlist except for Mob Psycho's. Um, as much as as I love Chainsaw Man, the opening is very very good, but there's nothing memorable. The full song is even weirder than what we got in that opening. I suggest you guys listen to the full thing because it goes some places. Um, huh? I'm intrigued. Yeah, there's a there's a whole orchestral arrangement in there it's it, oh. gets, it gets very strange um, i would not have guessed that honestly blue locks is very generic I, I think blue lock i'll probably put in there gundam gundam i really like that song i'll probably put it on there but like bleach on my hero it's like eh. i can go without it's very, especially bleach bleach is very generic for sure very generic j-rock um but yeah i think that does it with this little project of ours yeah Damn. good work everyone good work team quite the quite the episode after a while also um yeah, yeah. Apologies well are we well, i'm to... not on my usual setup because of said move so i'm just recording off the if i sound weird i yeah that's probably why but yeah that's okay. This whole episode's been a journey. My headphones died like 20 minutes ago, and I had to like leave to get other headphones oh, while I, we were recording. I mean, you guys, I you guys like were apparently yeah. unable to hear yeah. me at some point. I was able to hear you the whole time. We also couldn't hear you. At one point, my mic cut out, so there might be a weird uh, skip, like it stopped recording. There we was a restart. point where I couldn't like, hear this you, is... and then I think I just said something, but it seemed like it was fine. I, I just Yeah, but... we are shaking off the rust from not recording. It's the first time we skipped let alone one two episodes so we're shaking off that rust that's all yeah, yeah. but you know life happens sometimes and yeah I mean, I, exactly. I, and i'm not gonna say like oh it's not gonna happen again it may happen in the future but that's kind of where... oh it's about to happen again actually oh. Angel. <laughs> there, there you go. our next episode heads up guys our next episode we we talked about this before listeners is in three weeks not two weeks because i'm out of town and it's thanksgiving weekend 
So we'll be back on the usual cadence, but we're this one's off because it's an off week. Then we're going to skip next week and be back on our usual two-week cadence in two weeks after what would have been next week. So three weeks. And then I go to Japan in January for like two weeks. So we'll see how that goes. But depending on when those two weeks are, we might plan. Yeah. Or two of us. So the reason we didn't just do like a two-person show for – if anyone wants the real inside baseball is we needed to get our anime project done and that required all three of us. So we were just waiting for all three of us. But in the future, we should be able to do two-man shows like we've done in the past if needed. So you won't be missing us too long, dear listeners. We're just doing one more three-week gap to get back on the usual cycle, uh-huh. I think. Cool. Yeah. So. so cool. That'll do yeah. it for this episode. Uh, I, Jason, take us out with this one. Sure. Um, let me shake off the rust here again. Uh, yeah. So you can find us on all the things. We are on Twitter as long as Twitter's still around at Random Nintendo. Uh, we are not paying eight dollars to be verified, but no one's impersonating us. No one cares enough. So we're on Twitter at Random Nintendo. We're on YouTube. RandomNintendo.com is our channel we just recently youtube's introducing youtube handles so you might just be able to find us under at ram nintendo now i need to see how that works but i already approved the name so we should be good um but we're also on podcast apps that's the easiest way to find us we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher tune in iHeartRadio, amazon music you name it we're there just look for ram nintendo um individually we're on twitter as long as twitter's alive well i don't know if you guys are playing leave i'm going down with the ship i don't care so as long as twitter's alive you can find me at jsr7 I assume Angel will continue to be at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I assume, Kevin, you're going to still be at KVN Gomi. Um, if we all start tooting on Mastodon, we'll, of course, uh, share those handles at that time. But for now, it's tweets, not toots. And that's wow. that's it for the, the show notes. So I guess to kick it. Oh, and um, happy 10th anniversary to the Wii U. It turns 10 next week, so if you want to feel really old, the Wii is a decade old. Wii U is a decade old. Anyway, with that in mind, uh, who wants final word? Kevin, am I kicking it back to you for final word? Uh, Angel, do you have a favorite word? Uh, final yeah. word, favorite I, word. I, do you I, have I, a favorite word? After that, you can give us your final word. Bowser's <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the only appropriate final word right now is um, rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. <laughs>